Episode 202, and it's me, Gary P. Cars the Prof. Carl Brady. Jesus, it's warm. Sitting in his jocks again. Just can't keep the clothes on the Prof. You're very uncomfortable right now, aren't you? <laughs> uh, girthy. Right, so we're our, our, our uh, podcast sponsors, of course, and then start credit. Why are there's a credit our sponsors, Prof? Girls, when you're underbent and it's too warm, they got you back. <laughs> when you when you need new pants because they've evaporated, <laughs> that's a creditor there. Of course, Ocean Electrical, who now uh, uh, specialise in bar restorations. Have you seen the Ocean Electrical Supremo's bar? Oh, I haven't, did. It's something else. It's ridiculous. It's one of those things where I actually kind of just thought, fuck him. <laughs> don't don't like no it's like fuck him resenting him then purely because he's got something amazing <laughs> cinema room next to the bear next to the bar next to the jacuzzi so that's what you get you get a you get a a day in the in the ocean electrical towers if you use their services but of course it's this week it's our champions league qualifying draw preview pico lopez and dave downey robert's fan who managed to get all of the european away games in uh during covid and we round up what little news there was during the mid-season break and it's finally here prof it's Tifty's in memoriam, Deck Lakeo, aka Big Deck. It's the Big Deck cast. It's the Big Deck cast, and there's all sorts on this one. And it's a fairly fitting tribute to, to Deck that there was uh, all sorts of fans and shapes and sizes on it. Yeah. And you know what, Garrett? We were pretty much the only League of Ireland podcast to continue during the mid season break. That's how we roll, Prof. They don't want that smoke. That's how we roll. It's just, it's just not for everyone, you know? It's not for everyone. So, Clear the Head interview last week, Prof, went down well. And it's great to hear what goes on behind the scenes. And if I was just thinking about the, the team that's there. Like, there's so much talent there compared to, like, when you first started, could you say, how much of it has it expanded? Do you oh, know it has I mean? grown, yeah, like, that's for sure. Um, yeah, interesting bit of news there related to our interview. Uh, Rowers are now the most popular Irish sport TikTok account. We overtook the rugby, 91.2 thousand. That's it, that's how we that, roll. That's Philly Maguire behind that again. And do you know, there's, like, there's actually a fake TikTok Robbers Academy account. Philly was talking Who about this. That? They have one and a half thousand followers. And they're getting on average 8,000 views per video. What, people what think, are they putting up? People think this is real. And what are they putting up? And where are they getting their content? That's what they want to know. Probably just robbing stuff from the Robert's official account, but isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's a bit weird. And uh, so that aired on the whatever it was Thursday morning, and as it happened, there was a media meeting with the the lads in the Pines SRFC uh, media uh, team meeting, and 
just by, just, the points. Just by coincidence then, I met Barry McCarthy in person for the first time. Ah, good and, stuff. And uh, so that was cool. And the three lads were talking about the interview and they were, they were, it was cool to, to watch them talk about what they said and anything funny they did or didn't do or whatever. It was just cool to see how, how, how much they were buzzing to be uh, on the show. Like, that was cool. I'll tell you what, Gertz isn't happy. Gareth isn't happy. It was his no. idea not to be interviewed. He didn't get an invite to the pub. Oh, to the pub. No points for Gareth. Yeah, well, Gareth's uh, baby steps. He needs to get. <laughs> he needs to get into the the WhatsApp group first of all. I think it, it took a while for Barry to get in there. He's in now, thankfully. So, um, also Barry lives in Whitehall Road in Kimage. So we could have found. We might have found our guy. He could be heavily invested in this crumbling uh, Kimmich divide debate. Well, I'll tell you how he uh, decided on it. He said, 12 for living, 6W for selling. <laughs> That's a great summary. Actually. Typical. <laughs> Fucking typical. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yes, yeah, some belated feedback on Tifty's 200 prof. Beach Boy on the forum. Happy 200 episode. Brilliant achievement. Thanks for adding so much to the Rovers' way of life. Dave Hoare on Insta, lads, excellent 200 episode, great content, great content, guests and camaraderie, podcast keeps the audience tuned in, well done, lads, keep on hooping, so, yep, thanks guys, very nice feedback, plenty of um, stuff planned, tattoo cast is planned as well, probably a couple of people there, anyone else wants to get involved, let us know, Profit's getting tattoo of, uh, I can't think of that stupid one, top of my head. a cat, I don't know, Whatever you you're about to say, just would have sounded ridiculous, just, as it's, we were very, very, very close, because, one member who got a tattoo last time was extremely drunk. He fell asleep while being tattooed. We were know, very, very close to getting them tattooed with something else. But we thought, <laughs> that's that's just harsh. It's, it's a, harsh. It's a bit too far. A bit too far, yeah. Uh, also got a, com- a sound compliment on the show, Gary. If there's any faster way to my heart, it's a compliment on the podcast Sound Engineering. Prof just blew up there. And that was Tommy Tarmy. He, he very cautiously messaged me no, saying... No, 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 no. I want it. I want it done properly. No, 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 no. I can't. I'll never be able to do it again. <laughs> never again. It's just like, did you do the sound on that show? And I was like, yes, why? <laughs> and he goes, he, he said it was it was clear as day into the headphones while he was mowing the lawn. Ah, oh, yes. If you think about some of the past live shows we've done in Johnny Blues, and it's probably, it's probably hard to hear a lot of the time. So, uh, nice. I'm happy with that now. Ah, well, there live you show improvement. It's always been good, though. I mean, sound. You were quite harsh on yourself, I will be honest. But he was, um, he, as he said, he was cutting his grass. So I said it was a shame you weren't listening to the groundsman while cutting your grass. Would, ah. have been, would have been perfect. He also said that sometimes he has to uh, switch off the RTE podcast when he's passing the main road. Oh, really? Because even the some of the cars are drowning now. Mm. That's quite poor now. I've noticed that. Sometimes. Not surprised though, considering their fucking team at a half year, which they, I think he was talking to guards. He was like, "When has that been a thing?" Oh, we'll get to that later. Oh, we go again to it. Shambles of a team. But you know what the worst is for me? Cody's call, right? Alan Cody is clear as day. No matter what volume you put him at, you can hear him perfectly. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear his guest, I have to put that phone on maximum volume. And then when Cody cuts in, Cody blows the ears off me. So isn't, isn't, he, isn't he professionally that recorded? That wrecks my head. Professionally recorded in a studio. And Prophet's here dishing out smoke. To everybody. They don't want the smoke. In the lair. 
Yeah, so like you said, the tattoo cast possibly in the works. Also, the Borough podcast. Yes, Borough Hoops. And they we, are pulling people out of woodwork again. We received a very angry message from someone in the Borough Hoops. Yeah, they literally named every person from the Borough, every, bringing in rugby fiends and everything. Some of them are probably dead yeah. on that list. In a That's graveyard, how long it was. Graveyard doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you mention John Cody? Yeah, because he's the honorary chairman of the, the Borough Hoops. The Borough Hoops, yeah. Apparently I'm barred from the bus now as well if I take the piss out of him. I haven't even been on it. Barred <laughs> from a bus and I haven't even been on That's it. record time. <laughs> we'll talk about players' holidays as well, Prof. Um, we'd Richie Tell getting married in Spain. A couple of people went over for that. Um, a well-earned break, I think. A well-earned break. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think. I think Spain was mostly the handy one Dubai. You know yourself, nothing too far flung. Well, who does be constantly on the Instagram pages? Like, did, did you notice anybody? Like, Jack, where, where did Jack they go? Bourne. No, I didn't notice Jack. And that was Barry Carter. He was in Spain. I just knew Richie was abroad because he was mm. getting married. Other than that, no. I think Greener went to Turkey. Doing, getting, getting something for his wardrobe. <laughs> what about players of other clubs? Where did uh, Gary Deegan go? Okay, oh, I don't know. Hopefully the driving <laughs> school. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. I meant to say that last week. Good night on the pitch for Gary Deegan against us getting the win. But uh, his work life is a bit of a car crash. Yes. Oh. Yes. So the buzz for the European draw starting, Prof. This is it. Now we have to nominate one of us. It's pro- probably going to be me. Fastest fingers forced to sit there and book the flights. Because you're going to be 8 till 4. So you're out, you're out of running here. So I'm gonna get, I'll, I'll change my shift. We'll get the Tifty's credit card. Depends where it is, though. Probably got to go. We're going. We're going. We know we're going. We're not going to Belarus. We're going to Belarus. <laughs> we'll put on the fucking the, the army fatigues and we'll be grand. But I've yes. of a, of a good feeling. I never get good feelings. Of a good feeling. Good feeling we're gonna get a good draw. We're gonna get a Ray Whelan draw. New, cheap, son. Winnable. Winnable. That's it. Yeah. If it's a weird one like Faroe Islands or Malta, I'm a hundred percent gone. Faroe Because that's that's my jam. I like the weird That's my jam. I like the weird ones. We have to, it doesn't matter we're going listen if it's a thousand quid and you have to wear Kevlar going to Belarus maybe we can <laughs> go somewhere else but uh, yeah the buzz is officially starting and here we have to help the buzz it's Pico Lopez and Dave Downey so these two this is what Prof does every year he pulls something out of work every year I'm waiting on who he's gonna when we get our actual team drawn I'm looking forward to who he procures for the uh, usual <laughs> yearly interview it's my favourite time of the who's year who's the guy he was, he was a jackass last time the Albanian dude Oh yeah, he yeah. was he was a dickhead man. He was so, kind of talking down to me a bit. He wasn't was he? talking down to I you. Was, yeah, you handled it very professionally though because they're not that guy. Like, but he was. He was like the Irish league is the shit. Pretty, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he wrote us off basically, and I was kind of pointing out the advantages of the Euro of the Conference League and the financial windfall. And he was like, ah, not really. It's not. It's not yeah, don't get that much. It really it. came off like that. It really yeah. came off like that. Yeah. So next up, we have Pico and Dave. So we're joined now with the two most well-travelled hoops in the past year. So while most of us were stuck in our homes in 2021 due to the pandemic, these two had their passports stamped many a time in all sorts of different places. So we've got Rovers defender and vice captain Pico Lopez, and we've got a Rovers supporter, a member of the section in Block X in the sales stand. It's Dave Downey. So welcome, lads. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Kyle. Thanks for having us, Kyle. So, for those of you who may not remember, this is a bit of a tifty tradition. Every summer we get a player or two on to read out our potential European opponents because the Champions League draw is coming up on Tuesday the 14th. 
So they'll provide whatever knowledge they may have of that country and uh, hopefully mispronounce some foreign club names along the way. Uh, we, we did this once with Palmer Pico a few years ago, and he described yeah. nearly every team as big and strong. So if you can just provide a little more insight than that, maybe just don't call everyone big and strong. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah of course. Yeah. Little and weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we'll go through the teams in a little while. But uh, let's first just establish where we all are on this Zoom call. So I'm in Crumlin, as usual. Pico finds himself in Morocco, of all places. And Dave, are you anywhere exotic at the moment? I'm in Rahini, in my girlfriend's house. Very exotic. Very exotic. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, where would you guys watch the draw on Tuesday week? Like, would you just have it on your phone? Or do you just wait for the WhatsApp messages to start coming in? And then you'll find out that way. Now, myself would probably wait. I, I tend not to watch the draws or forget when they're on. So uh, normally someone says, oh, do you see who you got? And they're like, no. And they tell me, so I'll, I'll be waiting until told. So you I'll, be, I'll be working from home, so I'll have it up on the on the computer, uh, watching intently, uh, seeing where we're going. That's handy. And you'll be booking the flights straight away? Provided it's not too exotic. Have the candle to it. Too attractive. Wouldn't put anything past you now. Wait till people hear the story from you later. Uh, Pico, you're in Morocco for the AFCON qualifying doubleheader of Burkina Faso and Togo. So Togo's on Monday, Saturday afternoon, as we record here. And unfortunately, it was a 2-0 defeat last night to Burkina Faso. Uh, they were also in your finals group back in January, and they went on to reach the semi-final. So we knew it was going to be a tough one. How, how did that game go? Yeah, they're a good team, but kind of Faso. Uh, I don't think many people have heard of them, but they're, they're really strong. Um, they had a really good AFCON, but uh, they've always been a dark horse, I suppose, in, in African football. And now they're just starting to back that up like, with quality and consistency. Um, to be honest with you, there wasn't much in the game. Um, they could have, like, both teams were sort of feeling each other out being the first game of, of the competition. And then second half, uh, we looked like we got a bit tired, got a bit sloppy on the ball. And uh, yeah, we gave them two easy goals on, from two crosses. Like, one of their strengths is, is that wingers getting down to the byline, getting crosses in, or cutting back and getting crosses in. And we didn't defend the box well enough and coughed up two goals. And for, for a game that was really tight and not much in it, like, it, was, it was really uh, hard to take for us. And obviously, we would have interviewed you a number of times when you were playing the FCON finals for SRFC TV up until your last exit. A16 eggs to Senegal. I actually didn't talk to you after that one, but you're obviously going to be keen to get back to that that stage again at the AFCON. And nearly half a year on now, how do you reflect on how that journey came to an end? Is there a feeling of what might have been with the red card and the and the food poisoning incident and all that? Yeah, 100%. Look, it was it was a fantastic experience. I've kind of even been telling people, even, even the bad experiences were brilliant because you, you learn so much about yourself about the conditions and about about the team, like and uh, even though we we went out to set Senegal, it was it was a valiant effort. Like we went there on, on our shields, uh, but it's also left the, the taste that we, we want to experience this again and really give a proper account of ourselves and and know what to expect uh, going over to another Afcon. Um, it'd be great to do it uh, with the same group of players because say the next the, the next Afcon is June 2023. And a lot of the players will have that experience now to, to take in the next one. So uh, it's definitely our mission to, to qualify. And although we got off to a bad start, there's still plenty of games that we can uh, make a look for. And Dave, you know what the internet is like? That clip of Pico 
uh, unfortunately getting sick in the tunnel. That was straight into the WhatsApp crew that day, wasn't it? But you represented the club really well in uh, Cameroon. Do you remember keeping an eye on him during the tournament and cheering him on? Yeah, I did. Um, I watched most of the most of the pool games and uh, the uh, was it the last sixteen um, or final two to thirty two. Uh, they were on quite late at night, but I uh, managed to get them all in. But it was great seeing uh, you know a League of Ireland player playing at that level. Um, something that we haven't had the luxury of seeing for quite some time. Pico, there were strong rumours of interest in you in Europe, I remember at the time, because of your impressive performances. Was there anything concrete there? Like, did anyone even, like, uh, want to speak to you that you know of? Uh, no, not that I know of. And, uh, and, and I knew there was obviously rumours as well, like, going around, it travels fast, like, but... Uh, I sort of just kept my head down. And look, I, I always felt that if anything concrete came, it would come through the club, it passed on to me. And and then I'd think about it. But until then, there was nothing to think about. It was all just uh, speculation. So I think it's easy to get caught up in all that sort of noise. Like, and you have to block it out because you have a game either coming up or you need to prepare for um, a double header weekend. Like, so you can't really get caught up on the what ifs and maybes. Like, so um, yeah, that, that was really it. That's why I approached it. And I've heard nothing since. So um, it's time to prepare for the European games. <laughs> And Dave, uh, tell the listeners the name of your cat. Uh, his name is Pico. <laughs> like our like our guest here. Um, yeah, we, love that. We somewhat adopted him back in April, May 2020. Uh, myself and a fellow hoop, Dylan Murphy, moved into a, an apartment in Rat Mines together. And we just saw this cat walking in the back garden. And... Uh, Eventually, kind of lured him into the house, and uh, he kind of adopted us as his humans. Then, so uh, I think Rovers were playing, and we were watching on <laughs> Watch LOI. And uh, Dylan just turned to me and said, "Ah, sure, we'll just call him Pico," <laughs> and uh, it kind of just stuck from there. I was hoping, hoping he reminded you of Pico somehow, or you had Pico attributes, but now you, you've explained the reason there. Uh, you say you kept heading your, your knees, or you're heading your, <laughs> anything you threw at him, like, and it's just the similarities are uncanny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Loves a good head rub, he does. I think the Connollys <laughs> have named their dog after you as well, Pico. So that, that's the staff for me to research now. Pets named after Rovers players. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I'm a bit of a cat person myself, so I'm delighted that. Uh, it's a suited name for a feline friend. <laughs> I'm going to hold that one over Gary now because he, he's always having a go with me over my love of cats. Yeah, you have to have a cat to appreciate it. I, like, I love dogs as well, but um, yeah, be more of a cat person, I think. And I wanted to ask you as well about uh, Bebe, the striker. Uh, this is a man that Alex Ferguson paid £8 million for to bring the Man United back in 2010. I bet you never thought this guy would be your teammate of yours one day. Uh, he earned his third cap there on Friday. Already has a couple of goals to his name. So, as he started well in the group, yeah, like as you say, it was crazy. Because obviously, I remember Bebe playing for uh, United, like and, uh, such a big name, and I, I actually didn't realise he was uh, eligible for Cape Verde. And then obviously, he, he, de- he declared and um, came into the squad at the, the last sort of friendlies we had back in, in March. Like, and uh, it was just a, a really good fit. Like, obviously, you've got like that star quality and the big name and he's, he's able to sort of like handle that pressure really well so in the, in the big moments or sort of um, tight moments where you need a bit of uh, magic he, he's a player you sort, of, sort of looked at but he settled really well into the group which which I feel is important like um, given the stature he, he doesn't sort of walk around like he's he's better than anybody like he's just really part of the group and all for it like and then um, yeah he, he started off well known friendlies and 
we had another good game there last night. So it's, it's definitely a, a massive coup for us. And you took in the Champions League final as well in Paris on your travels. So yeah, you're really getting around. What was that experience like? Yeah, look, the, the game itself was was, was unbelievable. Obviously, two of the best teams in the world, like, and uh, just a fantastic experience. It was, it was a bit messy getting in and out of the stadium. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't on the end of any tear gas or, or pepper spray, like. But uh, yeah, it was a bit it was a bit stressful. But the game itself was a uh, was a memorable experience. And uh, yeah, look, it's, it's great to be able to see teams at the highest level compete in one of the best competitions in the world, and you just see the different attributes uh, being applied. It's just brilliant. So we've taken an eight-point lead into the lead, into the mid-season break. Now you're a man the match against Shelburne in that win on, on the Friday. Uh, the rest of the lads presumably enjoying their time off, feed up by the pool somewhere. Uh, different story for you on international duty with three games. But um, it's great, obviously, with the new FEI schedule that you don't have to miss Robbers games anymore uh, when you're away with Cape Verde because obviously you would have hated missing those games last year. Yeah, hundred percent, and it, it, it's great for me now, like that. You can sort of go away, you can, you can focus on your international games, not worried about maybe missing a game or, or coming back too too late, and have only a short period of rest before the next game. Like so, uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And um, the, the games that you, you do miss when you're away last year, and then you you're sort of watching behind your, your fingers, like saying, "Oh, that, like one head that kick that you're kicking every ball, yeah, yeah, you're passing every ball as well." Like, and it's just uh, it's just great that like. You, can be involved in some capacity like uh, that when you come back now that you're not going to miss the game so it's uh, it's Morocco again on Monday you were saying off air there that the, the pitches weren't up to scratch for, for these qualifiers that's where it's in Morocco and, and then you guys were off to play Ecuador in Miami, Florida because why not who comes up with these random friendlies yeah, that that was a, like a, we obviously didn't know that until late. Originally, we just got notification of the two games, but this game got added on because uh, Ecuador were meant to be playing Mali, but Mali cancelled. It's part of the World Cup uh, sort of uh, warm up games, and they asked us for a friendly lick. Um, I'm not too sure if I'll be traveling there. Um, I think I'll be returning before that because it's just a friendly lick. Um, so I'll wait and see. But if, if I'm able to go, we suppose it'd be nice to take in Miami and play a top team like Ecuador. Right, so let's run through these potential European opponents. You should have a list in front of you there, lads. So we'll go back and forth. And I'll just ask you to read the name and the country they come from. And I'll provide some useless information as we go along. We'll start with you, Pico. So give us the first club and country there. Uh, Linfield from Northern Ireland. Um, obviously, that's a handy one for me to start off with. Uh, <laughs> A good team, obviously, uh, probably the strongest team in, in, in Northern Ireland League. Um, seeing them play against Dundalk a few years in the a few years ago in the United Nations Cup. Um, I think that's a bit of a false account of themselves. I think they're a really good team and uh, constantly improving. Yeah, the travel would certainly be easy, but and League of Ireland do have a good record against the Irish League in modern times, but it would be uh, tricky enough. They've been champions the last four years. Uh, they beat the Bosnian side 4 0 in last year's Commerce League before going out to follow Esh of uh, Luxembourg. Do you fancy Belfast, Dave? I do. I certainly do. Uh, I'd say we could get a good few hoops heading up uh, up the road to Belfast for that. Um, and maybe even our friends in Cliftonville might join us as well in the stands if we get them. Uh, the United Union, you just mentioned it there, Pigo, that all our, our, our competition was inevitably abandoned because uh, it was a bit of a shambles. <laughs> But um, 
still no all in the competition since the 2014 to Tanta Cup. Do you do you miss that competition, Dave? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, I never had the chance to go up to Linfield back in 2013, but the home leg was was fantastic. Um, you know, and it's it's refreshing, obviously, playing, you know, teams that you wouldn't regularly play in your league season. I suppose it's kind of similar to Europe, but maybe not as exotic. Coleraine and uh, Bratislava wouldn't have the same sort of ring to it. But um, yeah, definitely missed the competition. It'd be nice to see it back at some stage in the future. A few good away trips uh, on the cards. Right, you're up next, Dave. Next team. Yeah, so we have here uh, Zrinjiski Zirin, uh, from Bosnia. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, Bosnian champions by some distance to run away of the league. Uh, they missed out on Europe last year, but they were regulars for eight years. They beat, they beat Utrecht in 2019, beaten on penalties by Applewell in 2020. That's the season before Jack Byrne signed for them, so they wouldn't be easy. Uh, Europe next, Bigo. Shakhtar uh, Sologorsk from Belarus. Yeah, Shami's last two seasons. This is their 12 straight European campaign, but they've been beaten at the first hurdle the last few times, so not really impressive results. Uh, we've never met Bosnian or Belarusian teams before, but is it safe to say we don't want to go to Belarus at the moment because <laughs> you'd be basically heading to a war zone? Uh, flights would be insane. <laughs> The game could be potentially uh, played behind closed doors, so not ideal, Pico. Yeah, well, possibly in a neutral venue. We might have to play boat legs in Tala. Yeah, it could be the case, sorry. Yeah, it could work out well. Who knows? Just looking at Dave here, he's thinking, uh, I like a challenge. I don't <laughs> even think that's a challenge I could achieve, to be honest. I think that's uh, that's a little bit out of the realms of possibility, but who knows? Who knows? Uh, back to you, Dave. Yeah, uh, Sujeska Nixic from Montenegro. I'm giving you the hard one so far. Uh, <laughs> this would be another new place to visit for Rovers fans. We're obviously in Serbia in 2011. Uh, Linfield beat this crowd in 2019. Last year, they went out to Maccabi Tel Aviv in the Conference League. Uh, back to you, Pico. Uh, KL Classic. Um, if I remember correctly, the Bows play them in Yaviva. Um, no, this is the team oh, that the Dark beat, and gets the, the Conference sorry. League or sorry, the Europa League group stages. Yeah, so this is another country you've never been to before, former home of Brian Kerr. Uh, a 2600 <laughs> uh st- capacity stadium, 530 seats, so you'd fit more on the UCD ball. But they do tend to move these European games to the capital, so it might not actually play there. Um, yeah. They were beaten by RFS of Latvia last year. And like we said, this is a team that not beat 3 1 in the Aviva in 2020. Do you remember watching that game, Pico? Do you remember, or do you think that result would be encouraging for us? Um, I don't I think I'd say, yeah, it was some dark, not, not Bohemian who played. I remember that the quote Tom, they were a big, strong uh, uh, team. Big and uh, strong. But, Big and strong, funny enough. Like, um, I think they had some, some quality, but uh, Dundalk just um had the more intensity and finished them off uh, pretty well in the game. But um, look here, looking at all the teams here, like you can sort of get an, a, an idea of like, oh, it might be a good tie for us, but there's no easy ties uh, in the European qualification. You just had to take whatever comes and and give your best in the day. Like, so you you're kind of thinking, oh, this one might be easy, and the other, like, you you'd quickly regret that decision. Yeah, that's right. Uh, back to Dave. 
Yeah, uh, Lech Poznan from Poland. This is probably the one to avoid, isn't it? Uh, the Polish double winners. Uh, they've won four qualifying rounds in the 2020 Europa League, including a 5-0 win over Apollon, our old Cypriot friends. Then they went into group stage with Benfica and Rangers. They got one win and five defeats. So very tough, Dave. Yeah, they would be uh, rather tough. Um, in terms of getting there, would be okay from a fan's perspective, but it would be a very tough draw uh, for ourselves. Um, and there is a good chance that they'll probably be in our sort of regionalized uh, pot before the draw. So there is a fairly realistic chance of getting them. And um, uh, you're next, Pigo. Hibernians uh, from Malta. Um, funny enough, there was, a, there was a guy in Cape Verde that played for another team in Malta. So um, I know the teams that they're pretty fast and uh, pretty technical. And obviously they be scorching hot over there, like so the heat will come into play. Maltese insight, I love it. Uh, celebrating yeah. their 100th anniversary this year, another small ground, 3,000. They've qualified for Europe and all of one season in the last decade, uh, beaten comfortably by Riga of Latvia last season. Florida field and 5 0 on aggregate on their way to meeting us. And uh, actually, a member of the Ultras, Neil Walsh, lived in Malta for a long time and he only moved back home recently. So, potential scout report there. Uh, would you know Neil at all, Dave? Yeah, I know Neil well. And uh, another uh, hoop, Mark Fanning, lived in Malta as well. Um, I believe working for an airline over there. So, um, I know that the two of them are huge fans of it. Uh, nice weather, cheap beer. Uh, and a bit of football, you can't really complain, can you? And is, next is Neil Ferrugia Maltese as well? Do I, do I have that correct? I think he has some sort of Maltese. Oh, I remember reading that. Yeah, what was that about again? I don't know. Like I know he, he does French in there, and there's uh, he has allegiances to, to Malta. He could declare for Malta as well. Like, oh, so maybe yeah, he'd that's right, yeah. Background checks for us. What a potential scare apart then. Yeah. Uh, your next uh, is it Dave or Peter? I can't remember who's next. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's Dave now. Yeah, it's a uh, Tobal from Kazakhstan. Yeah, they've just won their second ever league title in first in eleven years. So they don't seem to have much European pedigree. Although they did hammer Hajduk split Croatia four one at home last year before getting tonked yes. in Slovakia. Uh, Pico, any knowledge of Kazakhstan aside from Borat? <laughs> no, none. I imagine it's a difficult place to get to, though, in terms of travel. Yeah, that'd be true. But like Dave says, if it's regionalized, unlikely that this will be in our little uh, part of five. But okay, uh, next team. All right, this is probably the hardest one for me so far. Uh, Shkupi of North Macedonia. Yeah, I've done my research. Their nickname is the Pigeons or the Smugglers. There you go. Very good. Only founded in 2012, just won their first title, and they've only ever played five European ties and uh, only have one win. Rangers played them a few years back. Uh, so back to Dave. Uh, Punic from Armenia. Yeah. Another club just won their first league title in quite a while, seven years. They play in the Republican Stadium in Yerevan, home of the national team, 14,000 seater stadium, where Ireland are actually playing uh, as we speak in the Nations League. Um, Jack and Danny were putting standby for those games, weren't they, Pico? So if they keep up their form, uh, probably only a matter of time before they're back in contention. 
yeah, definitely the, the two boys have been uh, been really good this year, like so far. And I think they're they've only been getting better with each game. Um, Jack obviously after a long layoff with his injuries, um, is starting to pick up form again. Like, and I think the more minutes he gets, the the stronger he'll get. And Danny's gone from from strength to strength. They finished the last season really strong, uh, and again started this season strong. And I think if anything, if last season I think oh boy, he'll get stronger and stronger, and his, his goals were. I have been really important to us so far, so hopefully I can continue. Yeah, and that Armenian side, they got you two rounds of the Europa League in 2018-2019, losing 8-0 in aggregate to Wolves. So, uh, next team? Is RFS from Latvia. Yeah, another tiny ground, a thousand. And uh, a very new club, only found in 2011 won their first title last year. They've actually done quite well in Europe the last few years. They beat Puskas Academy from Hungary 5-0 in aggregate, and they drew 2 all with Ghent from Belgium, uh, only going out by a goal. And I know Gary's been dying for an excuse to go to Latvia for years, but uh, won't be a gimme by the sounds of those results. Uh, Dev, you're next. Dinamo Batumi from Georgia. Yeah, they just won their first league title as well. They beat Bate Borisov 4-1 away in last year's Conference League. That was a scary result in there that kind of makes you wonder the strength of these teams, don't you? Eventually eliminated by Sivaspor of Turkey in extra time. Uh, Over to you, Pigo. Uh, Tirana, Albania. Where we were before, of course. Yeah, the most successful club in Albania, although they're actually relegated in 2017. And only came back up. Uh, the former Liverpool youth striker up front, uh, Michael Ngo. And they actually got to the Europa League playoffs in 2020, despite only playing two matches because <laughs> of the one-legged ties. And they got a bye as well. So they found that bizarre. Uh, they failed to qualify last year. Pico, we obviously enjoyed a really good night in Albania last season. Yeah, it was actually a nice, nice city, the capital of Tirana. Um, obviously we, we played outside it like um and look it was a it was a, it was a great start again. I think Robbie was uh, had a really strong game like he tormented the defence and got us the, the two goals pretty soon so we were able to sort of see the game out well. Um, it was tricky now I have to say it took them took us long enough to break them down in their uh, talent. Um but then um obviously last sorry the second leg uh, we were able to get the job done but they, they could still be uh, still horse like so it could be a tricky one as well. I don't know if you recall the atmosphere that night, but the game got moved from the uh, the Nico Devana Stadium to Elbasan, which is nearly 50 miles away. So listening on the stream, it seemed like such a subdued atmosphere. Didn't seem to have much home support there. No, no, it, it was quiet all right. Like um, we had to kind of generate our own atmosphere. Like, um, but look, you, you don't know what to expect. You, you, we didn't know it was going to be huge support or no support going over there. So you need to just sort of the obstacles you had to face and sort of get over them quickly. So Dave, this is your time to shine. Uh, despite the UEFA ruling that away fans weren't allowed to attend these European qualifiers, uh, you did follow the hoops right the way through this 2021 campaign. So we'll start with Albania. What motivated you to go anyway? And tell us about the journey. Um, yeah, Albania. What motivated? Well, I'd, I'd been to Bratislava um, for the for the previous game. Um, and once I checked out 
Albania's rules for COVID, they, as far as they were concerned, it seemed like it didn't exist. There was absolutely no entry requirements, <laughs> COVID tests or anything. Um, and then it's a country that I've always wanted to visit anyway. So kind of spoke to a few other hoops uh, and said, look, the flights are relatively cheap and, um, you know, there's no entry requirements. Uh, why not head over for the game? But we made the big mistake of actually staying in Duress, which was uh, where Tuta are based. So uh, we had to make that 50 uh, kilometer journey uh, to Elbasan uh, on the day of the game. Jesus. Yes. So, so that was tough. We were all, there was what, there was five of us cramped into a, into a four seater taxi uh, for the, for the long journey up to Elbasan. Uh, I remember seeing a picture of Rob Tarmy there as well. Was, did you see him there? Yeah, um, I think he had a tricolor that that he that he brings to all the European games, and uh, I think he gets a badge or something from from each of the clubs uh, that he goes to, and puts it on the on the flag. So there was six or seven Rovers fans that I think actually managed to make it to the game, uh, and we also met a German groundhopper who had done a few European games driving through throughout Europe and managed to get in as well. So. Um, as you said, the, the atmosphere was very quiet. They didn't really bring much of a home support. Um, but I, I suppose the game was a lot more entertaining than the the home leg, where I pro- I don't actually recall ever watching a more negative team in my life than that <laughs> home leg against Duress. They they just did not want to play football for 90 minutes. So um we had a it was it was a much better game um for the second leg and a great experience. I wanted to ask you about that as well, Pigo. That first leg. Uh, parking the bus doesn't even begin to cover that that uh, approach by Tuta. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, like um, that was our tactics. And uh, to be fair, I nearly worked for them. Uh, only I them up up with a light goal, sort of uh, spared us. Like, um, but um, look, you, you've got to sort of respect teams that do that. They feel they can if they can nick a positive result away from home, like you can go home and they're strong enough to sort of do the job. Like, uh, look, thankfully we had a goal to sort of go over there. Um, you can sort of hit them maybe a bit more on the counter attack. Um, but yeah, look, like you get that in Europe, um, and it's something that we it's a chance that we have to look forward to, and uh, may come across and may have to break down teams again in the last minute, you know. And I forget what order in here, but I'll show it to Dave. Can you give us the next team there? Yeah, it's uh, Balkany of Kosovo. Yeah, they've been making their European debut this year after winning their first league title and Pico can you just fly through the last four there because these four these are the potential four from the preliminary round so we could face one of these four um, we have FCI Levada Levadia from Estonia La, Fer- La Florita from San Marino Interclub Desclades from Andorra and Vikingor Reykjavik from Iceland I presume yeah, we almost played Interclub last year. Remember, they took that 2-0 lead against um, Tuta, but then surprisingly overturned in the second leg. Uh, Levadia won the league in Estonia. They actually pipped Flora to the title on the last day of the season. Uh, remarkably, Flora didn't win their league, and Dundalk beat Levadia in Europe last season. Uh, Ice in the course, we do have good memories of 2017 in uh, Ice and Pico, don't we? Um, yeah, actually, sorry, I can't remember the name of the team, but uh, I remember the game already on the Astro. Stan, that's what they're called, isn't it? Stan, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was my first um, European game. Um, that's the first game I played. Uh, obviously, I was involved in a few competitions with, with Bowles, but I never actually played a game. So 
that was my first taste of uh, European football and it was a positive one so happy days and speaking of Estonia Dave you made this game as well uh, tell us a bit about that trip correct uh, yeah so I, after doing Bratislava and Albania I thought may as well make a, a hat-trick of it so um, we headed over with a, another hoop and um, there was a couple of difficulties with COVID because my uh, my COVID cert hadn't actually come into full um you know it took like seven days after your second job to to be allowed uh into the country but managed to to kind of work that out with the officials in the airport when i explained what was happening um lovely city and then obviously we have a good relationship with with the city of Tallinn after our experience there a few years ago um beautiful stadium i think it's called the lecoq arena um i think it might be the international stadium as well is it yeah it is yeah yeah, so it was it was a beautiful stadium and um look the match itself obviously was was slightly disappointing but um a really nice city i'd say somewhere i definitely like to go back to especially in the winter actually as well you mentioned the airport there i say the security queues were uh, pretty handy uh last summer compared to now yeah well actually leaving albania i've probably never had more of a disastrous journey in my life i got to the airport at what was it like three o'clock in the morning um you had to queue up outside a prefab to get a COVID test in order to travel uh you were waiting an hour and a half to get the test and then another half an hour for the result and then uh, the airport in Tirana was lawless uh it was probably similar to Dublin airport there a couple of weeks ago um no one was queuing up there was it was just pandemonium everyone was just sprinting around the airport trying to get to security lines and everything uh, managed to catch the flight home the skin of my teeth but at that stage i was exhausted traveling for for hours from uh, duress to tirana and then the ex- experience in the airport and i just did, i just didn't want to miss that flight I, I had enough of albania at that stage so thankfully made the flight home and uh, pico did you notice any of these handful of robbers fans in albania and estonia did you did you hear pico 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 yeah. in the background and did I, mean, think, I, can... oh, I must be i must have imagined that yeah, it's actually back in. I remember now when in Bratislava, we met a few guys like in the in the hotel reception, like and we ended up going, going to the game. And then yeah, look here, Rovers fans make themselves uh, heard everywhere they go. Like so, we always look over the, at the contingency that follows us and make sure we we acknowledge it together. Like and it's great, it's great to hear that we go to these um, places that are hard to get to or far away. Like and you'll always have uh, supporters there back there, which is fantastic for us as a as a team. And obviously, this first round is is so crucial isn't it if you win this round it really opens up a path for you to get to the playoff round i'm sure there's a major ambition in the squad to go one better from last year and make that breakthrough yeah 100 look um we got really close there last year and probably let ourselves down at, at the final hurdle um look talent we're a really strong team and, and maybe more so than we gave them credit um, but we're still very disappointing but we can't really get ahead of ourselves um we need to win the first game um, and then take it from there. Like as I say, if we find ourselves in the playoff, then we can think about uh, what lies beyond that. Like, but it's it's important to get there first, and you can only do that by winning your first game. Well, wherever we go, I think Dave will be there. Safe to say. <laughs> All right, that's it, lads. Thanks Thank so much. Uh, great talking about this. Thanks very much, Carl. Dave, I'll see you soon. Right, mind yourselves. Yeah. Take it easy, gents. Thanks for having me, Carl. Some fantastic pronunciation there, Prof.
I think poor Dave uh, suffered the worst of that, didn't he? he was, yeah. Look at the draw, but uh, he, he got the worst, toughest ones to, pron- to pronounce. Although, I will say, estimations of Pico have gone down quite a bit. He's a calf freak. Uh, quite the opposite, Gary. I feel like we're soulmates now with our love Pico cats. has a cat. I think that says it all. The coolest man in the Rower squad loves cats. The salmon has a cat. <laughs> it's weirdly ironic, isn't it? I loved what he said as well. Yeah, you have to have a cat to appreciate it. No, no, that's yes. not how it is. Just because cats are jackasses on the outside doesn't mean you want to get to know them. I don't want to get to know someone who's a jackass initially to me. Your cat ignored me on the way in. Literally. No, no, she gave you a little... No, she came and she smelled me and she fucked off. You put the palm out and she was curious. I put the palm out. She didn't run away. I went to give the rub, jerked back and I was like, fuck you, Lacey. <laughs> She's only met you about seven times. My dog would be you all, all over that. No, definitely not. Um, so what did you learn about the European opponents? Who do you think we should avoid? Do you know that was one? The Riga team is supposed to be an avoidable one, isn't it? Do you know, if we don't want was them. like a result in there makes you go, ooh, maybe yeah. I want them. That's the one. I think the, the Bate Borisov result, I just thought to myself, no. Because the core of that team is probably still there, still existing. But I, like, are we going to air how you really feel about Europe? Or are we going to keep that for... Oh, That's going to get locked keep away. Keep that for a rainy day. But uh, Um uh, it's yeah. I don't honestly don't know. Um, at this stage, right when we actually get our one hundred percent confirmed five teams, that's when I'll go down the rabbit hole. I know it's only predictions from people at the minute, but then when when we get the actual five teams, Linfield, blah blah blah, whoever it is, then I'll really really go into detail. I'll look at if we played, but if they played us before in a different team, who who's in internationals. How yeah. many goals I see? Like I love all that. I love going into the rabbit hole about things like that. So when right. we do find out, I'm there. I actually have a feeling it's going to be Linfield. That's, that's oh. my hunch. Imagine. Bring 5,000. <laughs> Bring a 5,000 up. Just an Airbus. Just an Airbus. <laughs> that's uh, the thing. I think... I don't think I... I'll run a bus, but I can do an overnighter. I'm staying overnight. I'm not going home after Belfast. Away. Or after Linfield away. That's what I was thinking. Like, what will buses... What would most buses do for that game? Would, um, they, would they come back that no, night? We'll, we'll talk to Maloney. Yeah. Maloney's the main man for that. But I think you can pay, you sort out your driver and then come back the next day or you know something like that. Mm. I'm sure it's it's been done plenty of times, but that's yeah. definitely one of those. Book the day off after yeah. work the next day just in case. Definitely. But, uh, yeah. As for Pigo, he was in action again on Monday night. Two uh, 0 win over Togo. He played the ninety minutes and got a clean sheet, so they were, they were back to winning. I have ways. to say it's such a, such a deadly experience for a, a, a player to be doing that in Marrakesh. He going to Miami. Well, you said he not sure yeah, if he was gone. Yeah, but still, I mean, I yeah. think he might be leaning towards it. <laughs> Where'd you go, Miami or Crumlin? Yeah, just ringing Brad's there. Eh, any chance? Yeah. Um, I was saying to Pico off air actually that Morocco, the one African country I have actually been to. Well, yeah, yeah. You used yeah. to not you used to get yourself around. You used to go on all cool holidays. You used to go to Italy and fucking Morocco. Can you remember much of it? Morocco, yeah, actually, do remember. I was quite young now. I was probably only ten or eleven, but um, just got the ferry. From the edge of Spain over to Morocco. I remember wearing the Fez hat, and there's a picture of me somewhere wearing the Fez. Prop for the Fez. Yeah, I don't know if I want to dig that out, but uh, <coughs> also the charter for for Europe, you can see it being a lot more expensive this time. Everything is going to be more expensive. Absolutely everything. Like everything in life now. Seven euro points, two oh nine diesel, fucking everything, everything, three euro bottles of coke. Literally everything. It's just like you go to order your favorite takeaway. And whatever 
topping or whatever part of it like everything is like oh, 50 cent more than it was yeah. everybody but everybody's feeling the pinch as well but there are people taking advantage of that I'd imagine like um, it is it's, it's just one of those things everybody's stuck in the same boat so that's the, the European buzz prof absolutely buzzing but we're going to move on to the SRFC Ultras Donation Drive. So get in touch with uh, the at Southstand Instagram page. It's on the Rovers chat as well. Get in touch and donate. They're trying to do a, a big display. I'm guessing it's gearing up to Europe. Uh, please donate whatever you can. Yeah, the flags and displays, they can obviously be, be costly. So uh, they said they preferred PayPal. So that address is srfcultrasdublin at gmail.com. And get uh, your few quid in lads obviously had a great one at the last game didn't they Joe 10 years still I loved how dark it was not not dark but I loved the colour scheme yeah. black and green like I think that is class because we're norm- always white kind of dominates those displays I thought that was deadly 10 years on still in our hearts yeah. also I am having a battle of wits and mind and skill outside my house at the minute so I always put stickers up on the poles outside the house. Oh, I always saw this, yeah. Right? Some little some little mug covered them with all ball stickers. Some weasel. Some little weasel covered every single Tifty sticker, every Rover sticker with these notorious Boo Boys one. And Jaden, Jaden runs into the house. Dad! Dad! I'm thinking, what? 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 I'm thinking, someone got hit by a car. Someone's in trouble. He's like, they covered the stickers. I was like, what? I just went down on your knees. Two of us. No! Two of us running out, looking at them going, fucking that, ripping them off. So I was looking around, I was getting on to Sam, the olders and all the other lads, and thinking, I need some of these fucking... So we're going to the pub on Saturday. So I said, it was a little bit nippy. Decided to get the wax barber jacket out, and I had about 50 stickers in the pocket, just from a random away trip. And it was like the holy grail. I was like, when, when I pulled them out, I was like, <laughs> the whole pole everything got plastered again so uh, normal services resumed and I kept a few on the side as well just in case they come back I had a little battle with a fella in work uh, but I've never actually worked with him you see he was obviously on the night staff right so there's a station in work where he put he's put up a Dublin poster Dublin 2020 champions there's a shoe tree and I was in that station for a whole week at one stage so I said right had enough of this so I went so I got the old Junior Hoops sticker book right. which I'd never used before it was a 2018 one so it was quite old so it was like Joel Costrain and Dan Carr <laughs> there and all covered it in Robert's stickers and then the next day they were all gone bar one just uh, I don't know if it was Jack Byrne he was, he was I know it's shoe tree he was, yeah he was in 2018 but maybe it was a 2019 sticker book because I think it was Jack Byrne just left on his own, which I took as a message. <laughs> just like, don't do that again. <laughs> the um, that happened in work before, and the dubs had won like five in a row or something like that. And I put an ultra sticker on the front of it. it just went, <laughs> and someone sent an email. <laughs> someone says we refrain from doing this. This is who did it? Who did it? And they knew it was me. We couldn't prove it. I was like, what are you gonna do? I'll put a sticker on your fucking poster, you child. <laughs> right. So we're going on to Ireland, being beaten by Armenia and then a home to second string Ukraine. Ooh, this was, oh, this was such a high, wasn't there? They were getting so getting so well and then this is a stinker. This is a stinker. We need man. a balloon in here just to pop. Or no, what's the, what's the noise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we're on, we were on down beaten run and it was, it was looking so encouraging. Oh. 
That was it was terrible. It was. And I tell you what, Bazunu saves those goals. Well, I don't think he saves the Armenia <laughs> one, but the second one was a uh, Bazunu saves that. The Ukraine one was was a, a comedy of errors, but uh, I didn't watch too much of it. Now, to be honest, but I'm still going to give my uneducated opinion anyway. Go. On. Uh, I'm not going to say anything you don't already know. Ukraine made ten changes. We haven't won a home competitive game in three years. The stats are damning. Oh. But having said that, I still wouldn't even be talking about removing Kenny until three or four games in to the Euro qualifiers. I, I still, I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah, just leave him to it. Like, there's no alternative. Let him try and build up what he's doing. Rip it down now, and you're gonna have fucking. You wouldn't know what's going on. To be honest, I don't even like that argument anymore. There's no alternative. My argument just I think the players like Kenny Kenny does have a knack For getting the best Of the young players Yeah Certainly he hasn't The last two games He's got nothing out of him Creatively (laughs) But there was Encouraging signs before It's the end of the season It's probably a terrible time To be kicking off A group Mm. I know you can look Say point to other nations Who have been winning games But um, I'd rather see us In the middle of the season Trying to qualify for Euros. I know the Nations League Nations League is technically competitive and there is a potential reward there if you win your group. Yeah. But I'd much rather see is how we do in a Euro campaign. Right, I totally agree with you. Totally agree, yeah. Euros and the World Cup are the fucking bread and butter, aren't they? But as uh, as Peter Collins says, Gar Ireland are still looking for their first Nations League win. And then he just malfunctions. <laughs> it's like, put, put, fix, fix speed in the robot. Um, Andy oh. Lyons, prof. Andy Lyons came out the bench. I watched this game. I actually got a bit of time. I was going to go down to it. I didn't get a chance though. But uh, there's some very good players in that team. Some lovely footballers. Such a man, Connor Noss played well. Uh, Will Smallbone is very good. Very, very, very good. Um, I'm not sure about this whole put him in the first team thing yet. I mean, it's early days. He had... A good game again. He's a couple of good games against some other young under twenty ones. I don't know about that, but apparently he's on loan to Forest this year, which puts him in the Premier League and probably going to play a lot. So it's it's probably a good loan move mm-hmm. for him. But he's a good good player, and I give it, I give it two years. He'll be back in the England team. Put it like that. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is. Jeez. But now Andy Lyons came off, didn't need eight minutes to kind of do something, but it's good, it's under appearance, underneath his, under, underneath the belt. He had a cap before, I, actually, I don't have that in front of me, but I think he might have uh, been capped before at Bowles. And then we had uh, Talazon, Ger. Yes, Talazon, Meepo, Odebeko, said in an interview, he used to come down here to the stadium with my big brother and watch Shamrock Rovers. Uh, he mentioned the Gary Twig era as well, so Gary Twig getting a little mention in, in his other interview. There you go. So he's from, I think, just beside Molly Heffernan's, that old pub there. Can't remember when I Swift book, I think it's called. Um, McDara Ferris was at the 21 game in Tally. He said Bosnia doing fast feet, warm up on the pitch, safe to say, ground staff, Billy and Kieran are not happy with that. Yeah, McDara also said that they had a word with an RTE reporter who had a hot drink in his hand. Standing on the grass just after playing service, that's a big no no. Hashtag pitch watch. Is that a cork native, is it? Paul? <laughs> and yeah, the, the, if you saw that result today, Gary, Sweden and Italy drew one all. So 21s could qualify. It's in our hands. For the first time ever with a win in Italy on Tuesday. They're already guaranteed a playoff place. So guaranteed a playoff place against a different someone else in a different group? 
Yeah. Right, okay. So that's that's interesting enough anyway. Um, but yeah. good little team, and there's some good players. I think your man Mark McInnes was very good in the game I watched. Brian Martin is actually a good keeper as well. I'll give him that. He is a good keeper. He's, he's, his yeah. distribution is very good. He's a good keeper. Distribution against us and Tada was, was excellent. I think we missed yeah. the beat there, possibly. Um, but he's like I think someone made a very good point. He took a big gamble and moving from Pats to Bray down to play football. Now it's paid off. Now he's mm. he's playing well. So Crawford doing well there in fairness to twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some really I touch around Toyo Adamarola, very, very good player. Um there's some good good players there. But you know what I love looking back on? And it's a little bit sad or harsh sometimes is when you look back on like previous twenty ones teams and see who've actually gone on to make caps and gone on to have a good career. It's interesting it's an interesting read because you'd have the likes of I think what was the team that Kerr managed? Not many of them went on to make many more caps after that, you know, like Liam George and things like that. Well, in the Noel King era, most of the 21 team was made up of English-born lower league players. Yep. Uh, I would love to see where they are now. Yeah. Probably half of them nowhere. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it's almost like we've come on leaps and bounds since we got rid of Noel King. It's strange. Possibly, yeah. I'll have to look into that one. Gabazunu, prof. Um, not happy with this though. The very he's on the very just went to Southampton for ten million after Fraser Forster signed for Spurs. <sighs> like, if Man City are watching his progress, right, and they're thinking, okay, we have a fucking hot prospect here. He is really, really good. He is double figures in caps for Ireland. Just turned twenty. Loads of games, constantly playing in the League One, League Two. Like, why would they let him go for, like, money? On the other hand, you could say they don't care how much he goes for because they have billions. But, like, do they, are they, have they got fucking eyes in their head? Why would they let him go? He's a Yeah, but you notice they're not stupid. Apparently they're insisting on a buyback clause. Oh, well, there you go. So let him go two years over there. It's pretty much a loan, isn't it? When you say, when you think about it. So they so, force refusal, pretty much. Yeah, so reportedly we're going to get a seven-figure sum out of this. I've not seen any exact figures, but it could be 15, what do we 20%. Say? 30 million minimum. That's what we were yeah, saying. It's 15 fu- for each hand. Like, it's one of those. It's like the it's like the match-fixing story and all that. It's, this is the sort of stuff that bar stealers and people come up to you and work. And they're like, oh, I see the goalkeeper's going for 10 million. You must be delighted. And... They're almost taken aback when you look disappointed. When you're like, yeah, I was hoping you go for 30, but... Yeah. They're like, what? You want 30 million? Yeah. <laughs> but he, he's a once-in-a-lifetime player. 100 caps. Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into Paddy Power and see if they'll take that. that. Is that a bit? Will they take that? Him to get 100 caps? Just park it in a locker? You'd be waiting a long time. Yeah, you might get it. Um, um, the World Cup profit's starting. This Friday. And... Uh, it would have been starting this Friday if it wasn't moved to a desert in the winter. What is that about? Like, I'm, I, I don't want to... I, I hate talking about this whole ethics thing and the, the the golf is involved now as well. People jumping ship for money. The, the, like, there's there's too many other implications and situations where people could do a lot better with their thoughts, process and their opinions than to just hammer the shit out of Qatar for their human rights or something else. No one's perfect. No one can jump on this bandwagon. It's actually, it's I've actually no interest in this whole situation of like human rights issues and things like that. I just don't care for it. I really don't. And that might be harsh, but I don't like people are making a massive, massive deal out of it. Nothing's gonna happen. Nothing's gonna happen about it. Like I think so. Golfer was asked, would he play in a, a tournament that Vladimir Putin hosted it? 
just ignored it. Yeah, he said he didn't need to answer the question. Just ignore it. There's a journalist on uh, Merrill's podcast, What's the Story, this week. And he says he's wrestled with wrestled with it for a year, whether or not to go to guitar. And he said what it came down to is, can he go and shine a light on something if he goes? That's what it comes down to for him. Mm. He said in Beijing, he was totally restricted. They used COVID as an excuse to keep everybody together. He said he didn't get to talk to anybody. Whereas he says if he can go to this, he wants uh, he wants workers who you know build the stadiums. He wants them to kind of have their story. I understand that, but no, I get what you're saying. You know what I mean, don't you? But uh, it's a big, big task. It's just it goes back to when this World Cup was awarded. I mean, a list came out last year. I think every single person. Who every single FIFA official who was involved in the awarding of Russia 2018 and Qatar 2022 have all had some sort of criminal charge or conspiracy <laughs> against them. That. That was it was a list of 20 people or something. Big one, wasn't it? I mean, that says it all. But uh, going back to the just the Ireland thing really quick, um, Bazunu did didn't play in those two games because he was uh, carrying an injury, and but presumably otherwise. Kenny does see him as number one, doesn't he? Yeah. And but otherwise, I don't. I find some of his selection strange. Like, why does he never give Jamie McGrath a chance? Honestly, he like what's what's the best eleven? Does he know the best eleven? He's still expect. It is an experimental tournament. It's it's for these mm. type of things. But like, he'll never play, or he'll he'll never give like McGrath a proper chance. But he'll persist with with Jeff Hendrick. I know I've picked him on on many times in this podcast, but. I just feel like he he had one good tournament, and what has he done since? He's not a good enough. It's, player. Ne- it's nearly a Glenn Whelan situation where it's just, well, well, you have to play him. This is Jeff Hendrick, and you're listening to Tales from the East Stand. In your history, in your living history, this is the worst Ireland team ever. Can you think of a bar- Can you think of a worse one? Well, I don't think in living uh, memory. I don't think our eleven is the worst. Well, but I think our squad of say twenty five is the worst. We have the worst pool of players yeah. in 30 years. Yeah, like let's go back to comparisons. Like let's think of the like Gary Kelly, right back, Leeds, Ian Hart, left back, Leeds, centre half, was it Breen and Richie Dunn maybe? Man City or whatever, Breen was playing at a high level. Shea Given was Newcastle. You had midfield, Keane, Man United, you had uh, Holland who was what, Charlton at times. Like they all, I think the whole start living were Premier League. Am I right? Yeah, those days are gone. Like that's. It shows you, how, and there was some great stats on how little the Irish players mm. actually played in the Premier League as well. You know, it's hard to even, and when you when you do the Premier League stats as how many players are in the top flight, I don't even take Kelleher and Bazuna seriously. I think it's a total fluke that two of our best players are goalkeepers and they've come along at the same time. Yeah, I think you need to look at the outfield players to see the real statistic of. Where are they all coming from? Championship, League One, whatever. I think it's going to be a case of us being blessed that we have Bazunu in the coming years. Other than that, we've been getting pumped. Well, his pecking order seems to be uh, Bazunu, Kelleher, Travers, and for some reason, Talbot. <laughs> Whereas my pecking order would be Bazunu, Travers, yeah. Kelleher, McGinty. Yeah. 100% agree with that actually and I think as well Travers is getting a bit of a rough ride as well because he's like 
played in a promotion, the team that got promoted like Bournemouth, like all season, yeah. all season. That's a good team, Scott Parker. Like it's it's a good team. He's just unlucky. He really really is. Bazuna is just a freak, a freak of talent. That's all it is, and it's just unfortunate. But a few more outfield freaks as well do well, wouldn't it? And why does James Flapper Talbot keep getting the call ups, Gary? Do you think? Why? Because you need a goalkeeper to bury shots off of. <laughs> That's what that is. And they need a bit of confidence as well. So Weetabix's hands is slipping them in and letting them in. <laughs> and he's rubbish. So they're thinking, we're handy. We're decent here. They're all burying the, the shooting practice. That's what it is. As soon as uh, the call-up happens, somebody put in the, in the group, uh, Williams, uh, Dean Williams lobbing him. Lobbing old flapper there. You saw the, his Jared Doherty moment. Oh, I did, yeah. What? Did you see those <laughs> angles? Did you see those angles? I saw the oh, angles. I instantly thought of you and I started cracking up. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, so Aberdeen Prof, they're going to get Liam Scales apparently and unfortunately, we he it was always an up and down ride of Celtic career. We weren't sure how he was playing. He'd have a great game, he'd score, he'd get an assist and then he'd be dropped and then he'd... Uh, I'm hoping, hoping we get him back for free. Another masterclass again. Are but they, here's the thing. Does Scales get into our team? I don't see him coming back at all, to be honest. So I'm not really... I haven't thought about Answer it. Answer the question, Paul. Does Scales, a fit Scales, in form, get into our team? And where? He doesn't necessarily get in ahead of a, a Cavo on top form. He doesn't. And he was playing out position that left wing back as well. He might keep Cavo at, 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 at centre-back, yeah. But like, <laughs> that ain't you're right not to think about this actually because yeah. it's a headache trying to get a starting level is together. To, is it meant to be a loan or permanent sign that I didn't? Oh, I don't know. Um, possibly I don't know. I've no idea actually. I've no idea. Uh, player of the month, Prof Borky wins it. Couple of goals to his name. Thirty-one percent of the vote. Probably a fair, fair choice. It was actually quite close between him, Danny, and Pigo. Um, Danny and Pigo got twenty-eight percent. Yeah, so goals he, always. He only edged that one. Cabo came in fourth. Danny's second goal versus Harps one goal of the month as well uh, absolutely outrageous ball in from Jack that was the one isn't it yeah yeah and the diving header um, we have a lovely piece with Robert Goggins as well Prof about his volunteer work in the Dublin Enquirer the interviewer writes this in more recent years his concerns have extended to memorialising players at risk of being forgotten making sure their graves are marked right now his focus is on James Sims Sims was a defender who played on the team from 14, 1914 to 15 when he died drowning while at work in Dublin Bay he was only in his mid-twenties Sims' final resting place is unmarked says Goggins he has taken it upon himself to try to get after 107 years a gravestone put up wow um, he was the first serving player I'm aware of Shamrock Rose who died Goggins says it would be nice to have something put up in his memory so does he know where the grave is or is that I'm um, reading that wrong yeah no he knows what the grave he's actually a rings end lad but apparently what he needs a descendant of uh the lad James Sims to actually Jeez, do that something could, that could be tough so that's why Robert you know Robert he's not normally one for the spotlight this is why he's gone public wow. in the hope that someone will see it because that's what needs to happen um, also mentioned in the article was um, what he did for Paddy Moore you know Paddy Moore was the, was the first player to score four goals in a World Cup qualifier okay. in the 1930s and he was a Robert's player Um and then Robert with the help of the Heritage Trust I was actually involved in that at the time I remember going out to yeah. to Glasnevin and we were there with, with the Paddy's family and his son 
and like that was that was an amazing moment for them like to get finally get the gravestone for Paddy yeah, he's always up to something isn't he Gogs so uh, no fixtures Prof we no fixtures this week full round of games postponed as well so our game the Pats have been rescheduled for Monday for fuck's sake Monday 27th of June and it's it, always a Monday oh, it's always a Monday and um, yeah so that is that and 7,011 crowd for our most recent game of Shelbourne and it's a home average attendance of 5,612 so far so that is fantastic stuff Prof average of 5,000 brilliant brilliant really really happy and if you look at 9 of the top 10 Premier Division attendances so far all involve us the only one not involving us is Bowles versus Shelburne and they're in 10th place ridiculous ridiculous stuff Prof Bowles tickets only 500 left for the main and east stand as of Tuesday so it's sold out month in advance nearly nearly sold out that's nuts so we're going to have 7,000 minimum at this Bowles game deadly and Raf says the Brazilians are coming back oh for Bowles lovely and Raf also has a message that he wanted me to pass on to Gary he says please tell Gary not to sing anymore he is very bad (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck's sake (laughs) ring 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 get me me Brazilian Caracas out (laughs) ring 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 um yeah, I am pretty bad. I will, I will say that. I'm good. I'm better when I'm drunk. I'm better when I have a few <laughs> points on me. Um, we have Sligo, aka Rovers 2.0. We've appointed John Russell as the new manager, trying to emulate what Rovers have done. Yeah, um, with the trend of young managers. Yeah, they've appointed from within. Oh, actually, in other news, Reese McCabe, right? Scottish former Pats, Remember, former yeah. Sligo player, has been appointed the gaffer of Airdrie, 29. 29 29 there's a little bit oh, of that's it, young bit of random info for you him and his cousin yeah. got his cousin involved didn't he score from the halfway line oh, that's him isn't it it's fucking someone I, there's a reason why he sticks out in my head um, yeah so that's that one John Russell's the man Johnny oh, <laughs> hold on hold on listen oh, that's me cracking myself to warm up listen right, let me just get the salt box just gonna fucking warm this up. Salt box in front of you there. Oh yeah, warm myself up. Johnny McDonald's eleven. Mike is all yours, right? Here. Johnny McDonald, he picked, he picked a team, right? This, this is for the first half of the season. First half of the season, right? So he picked uh, Sean Rohan as centre half. He picked Ronan Boyce. Ronan Boyce or Owen Tall? Which one? I think Rogers picked Tall. Yeah, Tall. Um, Lions got in there and Joe Redmond, right? Joe Redmond is with a mid-table team. Sean Rohan, or Ruhan, he's gone back up from Lone. He's gone back to Lincoln now. He is with a team, Drada, near the bottom of the table. They conceded 31 goals this year so far. Pat's conceded a good few as well. But we're talking about the top of the table team. Eight points clear. 12 goals conceded. Pigo, Grace and... Hor. Pico has started 17 games this year. Hor has started 19 games this year. They've conceded 12. Now, Grace, possibly, unfortunate, gets an honourable mention, but Pico and Hor get in this team. They start in this team. They are top of the table. How can you put a Drogheda defender who has conceded over 30 goals and they're down the bottom of the table ahead of the two best centre-halves on paper, on, on visualisation in the league not even put them in the team not even mention them no honourable mention it was the same bullshit last year I remember Talbot getting in and he conceded 50 goals 
And he was fifth in clean sheets. Ridiculous carry on. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. Johnny McDonald does not watch the league. Doesn't watch the league. Gary O'Neill popped up again. Well, we know he doesn't watch Gary the league. Gary O'Neill <laughs> has had 16 games this year. Doesn't play enough. Gary O'Neill signed for us in July 4th, 2009, right? Missed three months towards the end of the 2020 World Cup. Missed three months with that, or 2020 FAI Cup. He has 91 games under his belt for hours. He's nine shy of 100. This is the second time he said this. Remember at the end of last season, he said... He keeps count. He doesn't play enough games. He started 33 times last year. I replied to them on Twitter. 33. Prof has got that. Yeah. Prof wants smoke. So Tur- I just asked him, I said... What, like... Is he always rested when Johnny comes to Tala and wants to watch him? What's happening here? Because he plays a lot of games, but Johnny McDonald is convinced... This stinks of lazy journalism of <laughs> of him picking players that he probably likes, and he probably asks someone who's playing well this season. Joe Reb, yeah, <laughs> stick Joe in. Pico and Hor get in that team all day. Andy Lyons gets in. That's how it works. The best team have the best players because there's a reason. They're top of the league, right? Dawson Devoy gets in. Will Patching gets in, and who's the third? McGonagall should get in. Uh, McGonagall didn't get in. So Patching Devoy. And Did he actually not pick McGonagall? McGonagall didn't get in. Top scorer in the league. 10 goals. Doesn't get in. Daniel Kelly gets in. Hoban gets in. And, wait and hear this one. A player from the league, from the, from the team that is bottom. Bottom of the league. Bottom of the league. Liam Kerrigan gets in. Why? Are you telling me he's had that good of a season that he can't have Gaffney in that team? Gaffney doesn't get into that team. He has been brilliant all season. Kerrigan, Kerrigan <coughs> impressed against us in Tallis. And he scored that great header against... For, and Finn Harps up there. Was it Harps, yeah. Harps up there. He's actually done better for the Ireland under-21s than he has for UCD. But this is the league 11. Like, Who was watching? Who's watching it? Honestly, Gaffney doesn't get into that team. Gaffney has been unbelievable all season and he started, I think, over... I think it was 17, 18 games. How does he knock it in? How does Dawson Devoy, who has been arguably terrible on all the forums and all the chats on balls? Playing deeper than he usually does. How does he get in ahead of Gary O'Neill? Gary O'Neill's been brilliant for me this season. 16 starts. How does he get in ahead of Gary O'Neill? I can understand Watts, Richie Tell. We've been swapping and changing that midfield partnership. Gary O'Neill's been brilliant for me. Top of the table team. He doesn't play enough. Eight points clear. How does Gary O'Neill get into that team he's against on, he's on the Dawson Devoy? O'Neill's on the bench every week. Here. No, we don't see him. Will Patchen gets in. Never plays. Deservedly. <laughs> deservedly. How does McGonagall not get in? He is the top scorer in the league. Daniel Kelly gets in. Listen, the fact that he left out Gaffney and McGonagall means we shouldn't be taking this seriously at all. This is a total waste of time. <laughs> seriously, like this, I was in the height of it this month because I, <laughs> I was reading RTE. Listen to yourself, a Johnny McDonald eleven. But I'm jo- it just annoys me. What? Who the fuck gives him this platform? He doesn't watch the league. He doesn't watch the league. Well, let's even go back. I mean, obviously, <coughs> McDonald's picks were more ridiculous than Gary Rogers were. But go back to the start of the eleven. They they asked Rogers to pick the goalkeepers, right? And he picks McGinty, which is fair enough. Well, I probably would pick him myself. Yeah. Um, but his honourable mentions were only uh, the Pats keeper and Shepard Angnang. Yeah, Shepard's gone back now as well. He's gone. He's gone. Yeah, he went back on now. That could affect uh, that's the big one. Himself, that's a yeah. big one. Yeah. Or maybe but, him, um, or maybe it's the Shells goalie. One of them's on loan, aren't they? Shepard or Lewis one of them has gone back anyway who do you reckon is in the top two clean sheets in the league for goalkeepers 
12 goals conceded at home, Alan Manis. Who think, who 12 think goals is, conceded overall, Alan Manis has to be, doesn't it? Who do you think is the other in the top two? McGinty. No. Nope. It's not as bitching McGinty. Number one is Anang, nine. Right. And second is Bigal, eight. Eight. Leon got the other one. So we have nine. So in terms of teams, clean sheets, it's us, nine, Pats, nine. Dundalk seven. Leon got the one against Bowes, didn't he? No, Dundalk, Dundalk away. Dundalk away, yes, sorry. Dundalk seven. Derry six. I was surprised with that. Shells five. Sligo four. So only four from Burgundy. Four clean sheets. And the rest are three. Bowes draw the Harps UCD. So, okay, we pick McGindy. Uh, like I said, happy enough with that. But Alamanis has twice as many clean sheets as him. And he doesn't even get an honourable mention. No honourable mention. Center half pick conceded thirty one goals, eight <laughs> in the league, ahead of the two center halves who have been playing out of their skin. Hor has been brilliant. Let's be honest, Hor has made a step up. I think Pico's been brilliant as well. Grace, a couple of hairy moments, still very good. Honorable mention. Not one of them gets in. Not one of them. Is it is it a Rovers thing or is it? It's one hundred percent the Rovers thing. Is it, everyone hates us? Did they just think that it would be boring to pick Rovers players? McDonald. Hates Rovers. I'm telling you. It's one of those things. It is. It's one of those things where, ah, oh, it's the obvious one. Yes, that's what you do with journalism. You pick the right thing if it's obvious. If I was picking uh, 11, I would be conscious not to pick 11 Rovers players. But if someone were but the outstanding show, like he exactly. picked Lions. He had to pick Lions. Yeah, yeah. He was, the, he was probably the most obvious one out of the 11 to pick. But, my God, we've already spent too much time. This. It's ridiculous. We're getting on. Yeah. We're underage results. We have a few to catch up on, Prof. Just on goalkeepers, did you like my goal scoring yeah. goalkeeper? This is article? something that was a thing for us growing up. Who did we got? Rogerio Seni. We the the Don was Jose Luis Chilevera. Oh, we loved him. Wow, what a player. What a player. And he banged him in for fun. Scoring free kicks. Unbelievable. What a what a man. I think he was done for cocaine use as well. I'm not sure. <laughs> Um, but I was covering all the the little facts like Alamana scored one from uh, a goal kick for Linfield 2003 Conor Kearns obviously got one for the UCD under 17s uh, I couldn't find a goalkeeper scoring like that for us like from a goal kick or a kick out yeah, yeah. Pat Dunn scored a few penalties for us in the 70s and um, in terms of a goalkeeper scoring against us, the last one was Pat Holden for Evergreen in a Lancer Senior Cup tie in it's Kilkenny, Kilkenny isn't it? Yeah. 1996. And Jim Conroy helped me with this. The last league one that we know of was a Waterford goalkeeper back in 1958. He scored from a kick out. But uh, yeah, I love, love those little... Obviously, uh, Al obviously scored uh, in the penalty shootout with Ilves. Yeah, so that's the goal scoring goalkeepers. And if you can come up with any more, let us know and uh, hit hit us up. Underage results, prof. A few to catch up on, and these are the weekend for the twenty second. So twenty second of June, we have twenty second of May. Twenty second of May. Apologies, prof. Um, Shamrock Rovers three under nineteen's cup. Shamrock Rovers three Dundalk nil. Uh, we the women's under nineteen's. That was two nil to Shells, unfortunately, against Rovers. We um. Under 17s, we had Rovers beating Shells away. Great win there. We had under 17 Women's Cup. We had Wexford beating them 4 1 in Wexford. And then we had the under 15s, League of Ireland, EA Sports, 
league and we had Rovers win 7-0 against Carlo Kilkenny so then that's a, that's a Tonkin that is a Tonkin 7 is a Tonkin yeah that's a Tonkin and the week after, that's a Tonkin and then the week after that May 28th we have under-19s beating Shells 2-0 at home big big win that one prof women's under-19s beating Sligo 5-0 we had the uh, under-17s winning 3-2 at home to Bray and under-15s winning 2-0 in the Cup at home to Club Kildare. So a very, very good weekend there. Yeah, we had Cole Murakiyoman on the <laughs> score sheet for the 19s there. <laughs> and the 17s, they've topped their group in the first phase of that campaign. Lovely stuff. And there was only one game on last weekend. And that was the women's 19s. They won 6-1 away to Athlone. Get in there. So, Rovers were the winners of the 2022 Gwynedd Cup, Prof. A fantastic performance by under-12s. Running out 4-0 winners v Strasbourg. Uh, Alsace. Alsace. I'm definitely pronouncing that wrong. In the final. The boys are beaten, unbeaten in all 13 games across the weekend. Winning 11 of them. And congratulations to the squad and coaches. So, brilliant. Brilliant stuff from the young guys going over there. Yeah, that was in Brittany, France. Uh, 40 teams taking part from France, Belgium and our boys mm, we did something similar mm. we went to the Maastricht tournament years ago we beat Club Bruges in the final that was the best thing ever you just you thought you were the man it was absolutely <laughs> class so the boys will never forget that one did you see the size of the trophy no it was a monster this, this thing was bigger than Champions League trophy. bigger oh, than the big ears love a big trophy love this was three quarters the size of the lad trying to hoist it <laughs> yeah only kids yeah <laughs> big big news prop the turning of the sod New North Stand in Tala was on tours. They officially no birdie of Hearn, sadly. No July twenty twenty three. We're thinking so. That's quick. That's 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 flying. It's going to be a year. So, do you see the promotional pictures? Deadly. Looks class. See the slopes on the side of each one. Oh, that's the CGI. Yeah, yeah, the CGI one. See the slopes on it. It looks steady, like like vertical or horizontal lines. Class looking. Yeah, I actually. Because you're kind of you're waiting for for building to to start, and you you obviously know what a stand is going to look like, but it's not until you see the the design you're like, oh, cool, that's, yeah, that's what it's going to look yeah, like. Yeah. Until then, I'd never really put a lot of thought into. It. Really, really but, cool. Looking forward to this. Another stand to fill. But the actual promotion pictures of um, you know, everyone with the, with the shovel out and all that. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> and Kieran won't be happy. Digging lumps out of the pitch. Oh, sorta. Yeah. Do you know what? As well. Do you know what's gonna? That's actually it's gonna like pro- promote positivity within the community as well because ultimately when people hear that they're going to be like oh well a new stand yeah jeez that's good let's go down let's see it let's check it out you know that that, that will happen guaranteed my first Rovers game was the opening of the East Stand there you go bro there you go it, it attracts people even uh, likes me yeah likes a prop Kerry FC prof they released a statement saying that their application to enter the club licensing process has been accepted and they're led by Billy Dennehy and two American-based directors. And Dennehy was interviewed about it on LOI Central today. So um, we should probably get Tommy Tormey on to talk about this. Because he has absolutely no time for this whatsoever. He doesn't want Kerry in the league. <laughs> and I said, think about the away trip. Think about the bus and the cans and all the crack. He's like, no. A trip to Kerry sounds exciting because at the mo- since we only played the top half of the island. Yeah. It'd be nice to, you know... Whitehawk hey, White Park or Mount Hawk Park is the name <coughs> of the place checked it out and it's it's got a small little shed I have no sm- idea where that is smaller than Drotta so it, you'd create some noise there after four hours in the piss so yeah now hopefully they get it some, it's, like we need more clubs like that to be honest um, so Rover's subcultures on Instagram check this one out there is some absolutely cracking photos going around on it they're just from random times during following the hoops and everybody sending them in 
Uh, our live show got one prof. We got we got put up our live show in the Penny Black. Uh, a couple of ones from Iceland. Just some really really cool old photos. Of- oh, don't bring up that podcast. <laughs> yeah, oh <my> the <laughs> speak, photos were good. Of sound. Yeah, so uh, check it out. We're over subcultures on Instagram. Some really really cool old photos. And do you know what? I think I'm gonna need somebody for the documentary because <laughs> definitely do man. Because you know the way like, um, you have photos of games, right? So say when I'm covering the noughties, relegation, uh, first vision and all, I, when I first thought of what I'm going to visually put up for, for those times, I was thinking games. But now that I think about it, like, I'm interviewing a lot of fans. I think what would be most visually interesting is pictures of the fans in the stands yes. during those times. It does, man, I'm telling you. It, it, you, you need to mix it up as well because... They look at that and people like it's just naturally like good on the eyes of seeing seeing those type of pictures. And also kind of excited me because I've been we've interviewed a good you know forty people or something. It'd be cool if the person talking then cuts to a photograph and you could see that person oh, in yes. the photo from like two thousand five six whatever. The wheels are turning. The yeah. wheels are turning, prof. Yeah, so that's it, and prof. Time for the quiz. Oh, I'm excited about this one, girl. We have to get we have to get a quiz jingle now. Jeopardy. No, what, what, what was that? <laughs> what was that? Yeah. Is that Jeopardy? That's countdown. <laughs> it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. So we have to come up with something. Well, what I like about this is I said this as soon as I put up. I said anyone is capable of getting anywhere between four and ten in this. It depends. Mm. Mm, that's an interesting. You need, one. You need to get maybe get get lucky with one or two. Right, so you've got a couple you of bastard prof questions. But you it, could obviously. do very yeah, well. I see you smile on your face there. I know what you're doing. Right, we're going for it. Choose a trivia. Here we go. Right, so um, we're going to go for it. So play quiz. Okay, here we go. Which Rovers defender is taller? Oh, here. Lee Grace, Sean Hart. This is a trick. Sean Hart. Oh! Who was John Joyce's assistant manager when he forced to go over overs in 77? Theo Dunn, Noel Campbell, Eamon Dunphy, Ray Tracy. This is a prof question. I know. It's, it's, not, Eamon, it's not Eamon Dunphy, is it? It's not. It's not Ray Tracy, Noel Campbell, Theo Dunn. Oh, I'm going to go with the obvious one. Eamon Dunphy. Yes. Which player was shown a red card in 2010 for his last-ditch Suarez-esque goal-line handball save in the St. Patrick's win in Tala? Gary Twig and Stephen Stephen Bradley. Billy Dennehy. Billy Dennehy because he was celebrating in the tunnel. Last time Rovers played Cliftonville at Solitude in a competitive game was in the 2012 Cup. Which, which goalkeeper was the hero in the penalty show? <coughs> oh, prof. Richard Bush, Rayad Peterson, Barry Murphy, Oscar Janssen. I'm going to say Richard Bush because he's played for both. No, Oscar Janssen. Oh, I don't remember him being the penalty shootout. It was only Janssen and Peter say with us that season. Billy Dennehy, Chris Turner, and which defender converted their spot kicks that night? Connor Pell, Colin Hawkins, Graham Garrett, and Sean Gannon. Garrett and Pennells. I'm going to stay away from that one. Uh, Sean Gannon, Colin, I'm going to go Connor Pell. No, Garland! <laughs> oh, he's never going to forgive me. Who was famous? He transported the Bally. Oh, who, who's, who pronounced this differently? Bally both. Bartley Ramsey. Oh, Bartley's had. Bal Buffet. Bal Buffet. Bal, yeah. yeah. Or no, no, I think it was... Um, oh, you have to keep going. Who's famously transported the Bally Buffet by a helicopter for a game in 1998? Tony O'Dell, Jason Sherlock, Derek Tracy, Mark Kenny, Jason Sherlock. Bing. Name the Norwegian club that Rovers faced in the 2015 Europa League. SK Brand, Lilstrom, Osby K, Rosenberg, Osby K. Yes. 
of these managers who won the most European games at Rovers Pat Fennel Liam Buckley Jim McLaughlin Paddy Cole it's not Jim McLaughlin they were terrible in Europe Paddy Cole possibly Liam Buckley Pat Fennel I'm going to go Paddy Cole no Liam Buckley yep two name the left back who made his league debut for Rovers at the age of 16 in a league game away to the then champions Dundalk in April 2019 James Forlong Kenny Cunningham Sean Callan Eric Abulu oh that's do, do you know what I couldn't I didn't know this one either oh hold on no yeah James Forlong he was brilliant that day James Forlong which two clubs have Rovers failed to keep a clean sheet against oh 20 seconds left which two clubs have failed to keep a clean sheet against Rovers this season oh uh, which two clubs have we failed have we failed Dundalk Sligo Drada and Pats Drada Dundalk Drada Sligo uh, Drada and Sligo yes good man 6 out of 10 not bad prop 6 but you overthought a couple of them didn't yeah, you yeah that's like, it's your fault you're like oh, you're, you're a tricky bastard me. that's why you're always up to it. you're always doing it if you had just gone with your instincts you could have got <sighs> yeah but your there. instincts mean nothing when you're involved prop because <laughs> you're trying to trick all the time Right, so oh, that was that, and uh, keep it tuned, and make sure you get them done on Tuesday. So, Prof, next up we have the legendary, the unforgettable, it's Big Dick. Uh, Big Dick, Prof, he's coming up. Um, I, I don't think I've ever met him, but I've always saw him at gigs, even before Rovers. Tin Lizzy in the Ambassador. Um, just, you'd see him everywhere. And I always thought he was from Crumlin, because I'd always see him around, but yeah. Terran Yore, I didn't know that. So I've never met him, never had a conversation with him, but you could never ever miss him. Never miss him. I knew I knew of Big Deck before I knew of Rovers. I it was the same as you. I just kept seeing him everywhere. Metallica. We saw him at Metallica. Saw Metallica. I even saw him at a wrestling event in Coventry. You met that yeah, did we, we went, remember we went to Liverpool for Ring of Honor as well. Do you remember that? Yeah. But he you saw you saw him in Coventry, it's random. And you can't slag me for going to a wrestling event because Big Deck loves wrestling. I yeah. get I get a free pass on this one today. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I, I did meet him a couple of times. I can't say I spoke to him very long. But um, I remember talking to him in Bray for a League Cup game a few years ago. Uh, I wish I had known him better because he sounds like an amazing character. Um, like when the news went up, uh, it's a two-year anniversary. or It was this week. And I was just, I was opening up the tweet when Robbers announced that he'd passed away. And just an astonishing amount of replies from all sorts of people fans ex-players yep. players of other clubs fans of other clubs Alan Kelly the referee replied and, what? He, and he was like do you know what he gave me a lot of stick from the stands uh-huh. but we had a good chat after a game once in 2013 and he was great yeah. Alan Kelly like everybody this this reply um, made me chuckle this was from uh, from Gavin he said I remember my dad telling me when I was a nipper that he was a big wrestler and he used to eat people <laughs> and I was terrified of him for years when we elf fellow would go up and have a yap with him because I thought he would eat him <laughs> um, yeah as for this in memoriam I went into this thinking this is big deck yeah. there's no way we can do this man justice um, and I was just thinking knocked it out of the park I, I'm just thinking I don't know but do you know what we, we've given it a hell of a go here because there's players there's fans even Aslan have a contribution <sighs> and uh, yeah there's 21 contributions and all here so it's the longest ever it's ne- nearly an hour long this one it's a brilliant brilliant listen it really is the stories what he's like everyone has something different everyone names a different band that he's mad about a different pub that he loves 
Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, so we're going to start off with four fans of other League of clubs. Then you have five ex-players. And then the rest is all uh, Robbers fans. So it starts with Barty Ramsey. And it ends with Martin Moore. Bartley, Ramsey, Finn Harps, my memories of Big Declan. Um, Deck, as everybody would know, would be a larger-than-life character and certainly always stood out. And I would certainly remember him from the early 80s when he would have been a regular in Finn Park. Would have been the time that not a lot of supporters would have travelled to Ball Buffet, um, but Declan certainly was one of them. And uh, I would have had a couple of interactions with him, nothing major, um, but he would have always spoken to everybody who wanted to speak to him. And I particularly remember one game at Finn Park when Brendan Bradley was there and Declan insisted on going over to Brendan and getting a photograph to stand beside the League of Ireland legend. Of course, that would have been much later than the 1980s. My favourite memory of Deck would have been uh, in Bulligan's pub in Poolbeg Street. I was in one night with a friend of mine who is a big Bohemians fan and Deck landed in. He had just got a copy of, or he had just got Neville Steedman's jersey from a couple of seasons previous. Um, I think Rovers had won the Reserve League or something and Steedman had been instrumental in it. And he just couldn't wait to show it off and of course made a beeline to our corner because he'd spotted Paddy and uh, knew he was a League of Ireland man and he would, he would certainly... Um, know what Declan was talking about. We had spoke for about 15, 20 minutes, um, the usual bit of banter between League of Ireland fans and admired the jersey as, as probably Deck wanted us to. And he went off and um, what really made it funny for me was my mate Paddy turned to me and he says, Jesus, he says, I've known a man for years to see. He says, that's the first time I've ever spoken to him. But that was big Deck, um, didn't matter who you were, or where you were from, if you were a League of Ireland man, he would have come and spoken to you. He's greatly missed on the League of Ireland scene. And, uh, you know, uh, when you talk about legends, you normally talk about players and whatever else. But he certainly would have travelled with Rovers everywhere and would have been very, very highly regarded no matter where he went. And certainly is held in very high regard in Ball Buffet. Hey, Carl. Um, Julian Canny here, Galway United fan, just giving my memories on Big Deck. So I suppose I started to uh, get to first see him around the 90s when I moved up to Dublin and you'd see Big Deck at all the all the Rovers matches when you were playing in uh, Talca Park and Santry and places like that back in the day. And the first time I actually got talking to him was um, 2006. I got a Rovers supporters bus down to Galway for the first division game and I just remember chatting to Big Deck and... Um, yeah, uh, George Byrne happened to be on the bus as well, and again, another sadly passed Rovers fan, but uh, yeah, he was like obviously mad into his League of Ireland, mad into his football, mad into Rovers, and just the, when you asked me to do this, the thought of um, Big Deck and George looking down at what's happened to the club now from all the years of the times when you left Milltown and going through it all, I'm sure the two of them would be amazed and delighted at how Rovers have progressed now. So, thinking a big deck at this time. Graham Hopkins, uh, Bohemians fan, uh, just recording a message here about uh, Declan Kyo. Um, Jesus, I I was a friend of Dex for Jesus the guts of thirty years now, really. Um, 
I would have met him back in, I'd say, probably mid to late 92. And I'd say, like most people, my first impressions of Deck would have been of fucking abject terror to begin with, uh, mellowing a bit, mild fascination, and then uh, just, you know, becoming firm friends with the guy. Um, one of those people that, you know, that kind of rare rank of people at the top of the tier that, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of really looking forward to meet uh, every time you know that, you know, you're going to be bumping into him in the pub. Um, I'm thinking back to some of those early days when I knew Deck. I think it was probably 93 or so. Um, Deck and uh, a very great friend of mine, Jimmy Conroy, had invited me along as a Bose fan uh, on a Rovers away trip. Um, it was like a safari, being honest with you. You know, you get to witness all these wild animals in their natural inhab- habitat. But, you know, the star of the show for me was was the big silverback. And indeed, probably the reason I went on the trip was just to get to see Deck in his uh, natural habitat. Um, uh, and it went about as well as I could have uh, imagined. Um, I can remember getting on the train and uh, sitting next to the late lamented George Burns. And we were just starting to have a good chat about music and stuff. And Deck pops his head up and says, uh, uh, Graham, you know George, yeah, George, uh, yeah, he's a bowhead cunt. Um, and uh, but George was uh, impressively uh, obnoxious and rude towards, towards me for the rest of the entire trip. Like, uh, you know, that sort of level of impressive obnoxiousness that you get in, say, the barman in, in Mulligans, that sort of level of stuff, admirable levels of, of, of obnoxiousness. But like when we got off the train, um, I remember we were met by a friend of Dex from um, Athlone and he came running up the platform, like he ran up the platform. And I swear if the man had a tail, he'd have been wagging it. You know, it was just the excitement of getting to see Big Deck. And we spent the day on the piss in Athlone and God, God, Jesus, God knows, I don't even remember getting home. But uh, yeah, it was a hell of a trip. And uh, it was just a great opportunity to see Deck and how people reacted to Deck on those trips. And, you know, it was a very, very fond memory of mine. And in the intervening years, I mean, we're talking, Jesus, thousands of points over, hundreds of booze-ups and dozens of gigs. Like, I wouldn't admit to liking many of the bands that were in Deck's bizarre record collection, but the odd time there'd be a little bit of an intersection. And uh, I remember bumping into my, Jesus, I don't know how many gigs, but one of them that really stood out was Bjork and the look of bleeding shock on Bjork's face as she looked down into the crowd at this six foot four man-child beaming up at her. Uh, singing every word of every song back. Uh, I think he spent the entire night talking to me in this weird Icelandic accent afterwards as well, which kind of would make sense to Deck, but probably not many other people. And when I think then fast forward to the last time I met Deck, um, would have been in the, uh, it was in the Wiley Fox, and I went in after work for a point and Deck was sitting at the bar on his own, lamped, like lamped drunk, like drunker than you would normally see him at that hour of the day. And uh, so I went up to him and he was telling me how he'd gotten out to uh, the airport to go to see Rochdale, another one of his bizarre fetishes, fetishes, and uh, forgot his passport. So Deck being Deck didn't really see it as much of a setback. So we just headed into town and started swamping points. And as Todd, just talking to randos all day. Um, so by the time I met him, he was about 12 hours in and like still upright, like uh, having taken on a quota that would have failed. Uh, many a lesser man, uh, but no, there he was still there talking shite to randos. Uh, we ended up talking about showing a knife, I think it was, for the night. Another one of his weird bands. 
um, or the Colleen Ibui, as he lovingly referred to them as. Um, as a message then from a Bowes fan to Rovers fans about deck, like I've sat across many a football pitch from you guys over the years, and you have a great fondness for unfurling banners about how many trophies and stuff you have won. And the truth is, I honestly couldn't give a tuppenny fuck about any one of them. You know, you can shove them up your collective hoops. But Deck, my Jesus, was I insanely jealous and still insanely jealous now after his death that you guys had Deck. You guys got the best out of Deck. Um, you saw him at his best, you know, at his funniest, at his most engaging. Um, and you, you don't really, I don't, well, I hope you do understand what a gift that was. Deck was he was he was a big child, and he connected with the big with the child inside all of us. You know, like the the kid inside you came out when you met Deck, and you'd be you'd be absolutely giddy leaving his company. And I don't think I ever met anybody else that I could say that about. It's a rare rare gift, um, and 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 you know it was it was bestowed on on all his friends, and it was bestowed on all the Hoopers. So in the weird days when he died, you know, it was COVID and nobody could really get to see each other or anything. So it was all phone calls and fucking walks and parks and all that sort of shit. But I remember talking to his, his great friend, JD, who is a shell cunt, by the way, um, and saying, do you remember Deck used to often talk about when he died, he wanted a 21 can salute at his funeral. And Deck and, J- and uh, JD was, yeah, yeah, I kind of remember that all right. So J- JD being a man of words turns up at the funeral with the cans in the boot of the car. So anyone who was there will remember that long road to drive into Miniature Home Cemetery and the 21 can salute and the crack and the laugh he had. And you know, well the cans were mostly drank by Hoopers. Um, I think it was really a it was a League of Ireland send off for him, you know. It was it was fans of the league saying, you know, you know, you know, just just kind of commiserating with the Hoopers and giving Deck the best send-off that he could deserve. So look, with the, the bit of a cliche when, when good people go that, you know, you don't mourn them, you know, you, you know, you just kind of be thankful that you had them. And uh, I think that's more true of Deck than of anybody else. So, you know, if you don't do that, you kind of miss the point of Deck. Um, so I just say, you know, you know, concentrate on that. Remember the great times of Deck, um, and you lucky bastards were the ones that got the best of them, you know. So wherever you are tonight, you raise a, gra- a glass to the big man, uh, and I'll be raising one to him too. Um, and I'll probably use that eloquent toast that he used to use with me quite often, as he was tipping a glass of Bulmers in my way, when he'd just say, up your gicker. So yeah, up your gicker indeed, Deck. Hi, my name is Don. Most people know me as JD, and I've known Big Deck since 1982. Um, I I wasn't a Shelburne supporter at the time when I met him, and I started going to Rovers games with him, the odd Rovers game uh, up in Milltown, and we used to go for a few scoops in Humphreys, I believe it was, back back in the early to mid-80s. And then I started having a few pints with him and his mates, Jim and Dick, and a few other lads in the White Horse. And then uh, had a many a great night there. And I always remember when I eventually went down to Talca Park and got the Graw, and I came back into the deck and said, Deck, listen, uh, I'm a Shell supporter. He had a great laugh because he loved Ollie Bourne. <laughs> 
he was he was he, he admired uh, Ollie because he said Ollie knew how to use the rule book to his uh, uh, best uh, advantage over the FAI, which uh, was something that Deck really really uh, found to be a, a a useful tool for for shells. So once I became a shell supporter, I uh, would meet Deck before and after the Shells Rovers games. Uh, had a few points in the Cat and Cage over the years and up in Tala as well a few times. Uh, obviously, we didn't play as many times uh, because we got relegated, uh, but we did have a cup game, I remember, back, I think it might have been 2012, uh, and we basically drank away from town out to Tala for the match. and. Uh, at half time, even though uh, we were, I think we were 2-0 down on a red card as well, uh, Deck brought me into the members bar where we continue to have points and I, fairly, I had this vague recollection that Michael D. Higgins walked into the bar, uh, still a bit hazy, I'm not, not sure, but uh, nonetheless, uh, he got a big Deck got a, away from Michael D., uh, Obviously, everyone knew Deck, uh, who was involved in the League of Ireland. But um, yeah, I think we went on to lose that game four nil or four one. But uh, it's still a very fond memory for me, myself and Deck, spending the day having a few beers, having a laugh. Because that's the one thing you always did with Deck. You had a laugh. Uh, I, I also did say that everyone knows me as JD. He also had another name for me, Jellyfish, which. Uh, got shortened to jellier after a while so uh i was always uh known as a jellier uh in in latter years with deck so um great memories great times he'll always be in my heart to be honest uh day doesn't go by when i don't smile about something he said to me or something we did you know a gig we went to a match we went to whatever just uh it's an honor and a privilege to know him and the league of ireland miss people like deck uh Hopefully there's more characters coming through, but uh, Deck was, was one of a kind. He's, he's irreplaceable. A very lucky club to have had him there with you. Uh, it's a, it's a, it is a sad, sad thing to have to be talking about him in the past, but he's in my heart every day. So, Deck, all the best. And I know you're laughing at me now because you know I'm bricking it doing this. Uh, all the best. And congratulations. I think you've won the league this year. Hello everyone, Alan O'Neill here, ex-Rovers goalkeeper, two stints with the club. These are a few of my memories of the late, great Big Deck. My first memory of Big Deck dates back to the late 70s and a game down in the Markets Field against Limerick. Um, I can't remember the result of the game, but I remember after the game, Big Deck coming to me with shock all over his face as there was a gang of Limerick supporters waiting for the few Rover supporters at the time at the end of a road and asked me could I get him to train to a train station. Um, I got him on the team bus and he got safely to the train station and ever since then we were great friends. Deck like myself was a civil servant so we had that in common but also his love for Rovers was just never ending. He, if, if, if you could, if you could deck, he definitely had green blood. And all through the years, I remember him at games. His big frame was always stood out, but he was always such a happy fella, but also such a mad Rover supporter. And Rovers was his life. Um, 
one of my final memories of deck would have been coming near to the end when 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 i was playing in the rds and we won the league and i was coming to the end of my career and i remember big deck saying to me he says uh, will you give me your your gloves so the last pair of gloves i wore competitively i gave to big deck which meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to me because we had soldiered through many battles down through the years Deck was a Rovers legend, true and true. Rovers was his life. And for those who knew him, they will never, ever forget him. R.I.P. Big Deck. Hello there, uh, it's Mick Bourne. Um, just giving a call about um, uh, a lad that his uh, anniversary is coming up, Shamrock Rovers. He's a Shamrock Rovers legend, in fact. Uh, Big Deck. Um, I always remember back in the 80s, Big Deck was... Uh, had the look of a, a, a real rocker, uh, absolutely gentleman. Um, had great great chats with him around in the eighties, and even when I when I managed at Rovers, he he always had good things to say to me and about me. Um, and to be honest with you, I seen a photograph about oh, I'd say it must be about two, maybe no, probably two three months ago. Um, I seen a photograph of him. Uh, one of the Cairns showed me a photograph and it was in Ballybofay standing behind a goal. It was snowing and he was the only one behind the goal. It was a great photograph, snow everywhere around him and he was just there in his, his hoops jersey. Um, but a uh, real top, top guy, um, sadly missed by Shamrock Rovers supporters um, and Shamrock Rovers players. So I just want to throw in that um, for his anniversary. Cheers. This is Tony Cousins thinking about Big Deck. Big Deck, can't believe it's two years since he's gone. Uh, an absolute gentleman. What a fantastic supporter of Shamrock Rovers. It was an absolute pleasure to get to know him. Um, a gentle joint. Uh, loved everybody's company. And he sadly missed at Tallah Stadium. Uh, I hope he's looking down, very pl- proud of what's happening at Shamrock Rovers now and the success that we've had. How are you, lads? Uh, Terry Palmer here. Um, I first came across Big Deck many years ago. Um, it was in Milltown. My dad was bringing me to a game. So I remember vividly hopping over the turnstile. And as I got over, Big Deck was on the other side. And he had obviously the, the long hair, earring, nose ring, badges everywhere. He was a fairly scary figure. And I, I remember distinctly, we he, he went off to the right, to the terrace. We went down behind the fire goal. And I remember um, thinking to myself, Jesus, he's, he's a scary, he's a scary, scary character. So used to see him all the time around grounds um but had no de- real dealings with him until i joined rovers and i got to know him and uh really it was it was like chalk and cheese the difference my perception to to, to the real deck was like clever funny charismatic great company he used to call me tall terry and uh he himself and my dad got on really well um Again, you wouldn't put the two together. My dad in this shirt and tie and suit. Um, 
but the two of them, they, they, they had a lot in common, uh, and they got on very well, and Dick looked after Dad, or led him astray, whatever way you want to put it, all around various grounds around the country and around Europe, and uh, Dad had a lot of time for him. Uh, and uh, but he was deck was good to my dad, and I I'd really appreciate it. Um, but the one story I, I I'll tell you is that when my then girlfriend, now wife, we were having a drink after a match, and I introduced her to deck, and deck produced this keyring out of his pocket. Bobby Best had made, but his keyring was of me, and girlfriend uh, looked at a. Uh, this big six foot odd fella as I said earrings nose rings the whole lot with this key ring of me in, 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 in a, a picture of me in a key ring and uh, she didn't know what she was getting into but again she got to know Dick and uh, had a lot of time for her and he was um, yeah and he's still up until uh, the sad passing he was always inquiring about my mother and how she was but uh, he was one of the good guys and he's a sad loss alright thanks Hi lads, how are you? Baz Murphy. Um, I just wanted to send in a quick voice message uh, on Big Dex's two-year anniversary. I just remember him standing behind the goal in Talca Park and being an ever-present there, warming up and, and seeing him um, leaning over the bars and thinking to myself, God, I'm glad he's on our side. A big intimidating presence for any goalkeeper in the second half, shooting into that end. Um, and yeah, I've kind of seen him a few times in town and on Grafton Street, walking down Grafton Street and he'd still be sporting his Rovers bandana and his, his Rovers gear and obviously a, a really proud Rovers supporter and it's a, a big loss to to the club having a, a supporter like that. But um, yeah, just um, wanted to leave you a quick note on his two-year anniversary. So all the best. My name is Tracy Ford and for those of you who don't know me, I'm from West Cork. I first met Deck way back in March 1995 when my then, then Rovers mad boyfriend, now husband Frank Ford, introduced me to his Rovers family down in Corraheen Park in Bishopstown. They included the Conroys, the Clearies, the Cullens and of course Deck. Deck had a personality larger than life and because of how well I was embraced into the fold, I instantly fell in love with Rovers. We all know that Deck was an incredible flirt, but he let us know his first love was Kylie. And then he'd whisper in my ear and tell me I was his favourite. But he told every girl they were his favourite. He was an absolute devil. Can't believe Deck is gone. We miss him terribly. Thank you, Deck, for all the memories. Hi all, it's Emma Wheatley here. Thanks to Tales from the East End for allowing me to share some memories of our friend, Big Deck. Wherever Rovers went, Deck followed. And such a character was he that no matter where we went or who we played, fans and players alike knew him. Deck really did symbolise what Shamrock Rovers is all about. Welcoming, legendary, always in full voice and someone everyone looks forward to seeing arriving in their town. We all know Deck's love of music, so my favourite memory of him is pretty much every greeting he gave me. Whenever I saw him, I'd get a big hug and a chorus of hot chocolates, Emma. I didn't know the song before Deck 
and I don't have as good a voice as he did, so I'm not going to attempt to sing it. But his favourite line to serenade me with was, Emma, Emmeline, I'm going to make you the biggest star this world has ever seen. And it's such a lovely memory, as we all know that the real star is, and always will be, our friend Big Deck. Keep on hooping, Deck. Your star is forever missed. Hello, Alan Eustace here. Big Deck was a very close friend in my family over many years, particularly of my late father, Tony Eustace. When I was born in 1996, Deck lobbied hard for me to be named Peter after Peter Eccles. When my folks called me Alan instead, he was willing to accept it only once he was satisfied it must have been after Alan O'Neill. Although that still didn't stop him calling me Baby Eccles every time we met. In 2009, we went on a family holiday to Memphis, what my dad called his pilgrimage to Graceland, the home and burial place of Elvis Presley. He rang Big Deck from Graceland and they shared a moment of appreciation for the king of rock and roll. Dad scoured the gift shop for the perfect souvenir to bring home to Deck, a gold chain with a lightning bolt and the letters TCB, taking care of business in a flash. At my dad's funeral in 2016, my mother Sheila asked Deck would he carry up some of dad's vinyl Elvis records to the altar. He was very touched to be asked. However, when the time came, Deck found himself too emotional to take care of business and had to leave the church. I hope these stories sum up Big Deck, a gentle giant, a music aficionado, although I never quite got his love for Kylie Minogue, a true hoop and a dear friend to those who knew him. My dad would have had many more stories to tell than I have, but I bet the two of them are up there now watching Elvis perform live and still following the hoops, of course. All right, lads, uh, Don't are here. Um, thanks for asking me to contribute to the In Memoriam for Big Deck. Um, I first remember seeing Big Deck when I started going to Milltown in, um, in, in the mid-80s. It was such a memorable figure to see. He was like someone I thought to remember just maybe just being a little bit afraid of him because he was such an empowered and looking figure. And he was he was someone that was ubiquitous, always seemed to be around, as I said, all through the years. So I probably only really got to know Deck maybe in the last 20 years, early 2000s, when I uh, when I started started traveling on the Hoops SA bus. And then that I realized that kind of that he was probably the epitome of, of, of a gentle giant, like he was such a great bloke and said he was always a great character on the, and the bus is always full of chat and uh, always loved the old singing the old songs of the 70s on the bus as well and it was with late night on the way home, getting everyone going. Just I always remember as well, kind of, um, he'd always have a chat with me on the bus or whatever and he'd, Call me Paul when I was collecting the money and I was Dunster everywhere else. <laughs> but um, I remember coming back from that famous home game in Cork where we'd we'd basically paid in our away jersey in a home game. And uh, he said to me, ah, Dunster, he says, the hoops. He says, Rovers wear the hoops. It's simple science, simple science. I remember saying, I've got a good laugh out of that. cheered me up on the way home anyway. But uh, yeah, I said, like, other than this kind of, it's kind of as I said, he was his looks were deceiving, like you said, he looked like a scary, scary chap, but he was actually, as I said, a lovely guy. And the same thing, maybe his looks kind of 
maybe throwing you on the music that he liked as well. He's kind of probably looked like a bit of a metal fan with the bandana and everything. But just some of his taste in music was what surprised he was a he was a huge Kylie fan. Uh, he loved uh, showing a knife, and there's even a story of him going to see Dana International uh, in the George, which I think was a funny one. Uh, obviously, it's kind of a uh, I don't think it's a problem to say he was fond of a drink. He's uh, he liked he liked an old jar, and uh, he was very popular in any bars we ever went into. Like you'd go into a random pub on an away game in the middle of absolute nowhere, and the first thing the barman would say if he saw Robert's jersey was, "Oh, it's deck deckwitches," <laughs> or "There's the big fellas witches." I'd say there was uh, there's plenty of barmen in small rural towns. I got a nice holiday. Out, out of deck and I said I think that's uh, really a testament to, to, to how what a memorable guy he got and what a memorable uh, person he was and what a nice guy he was as I remember um, what I think it might have been in a Shelbourne fanzine there was someone did like a ground hopping thing and they used to just like obviously go to a game somewhere and then write a piece about it and uh, I think one, one thing they went to they went to Rochdale and your man got into the taxi the taxi man driver says, "Oh, where are you from?" And he says, "Dublin." And he goes, "Oh, do you know Big Deck?" <laughs> so that was that was Dex with our big love. There was going to going to Rochdale and having a few points in the Tanner Arms. There's a good old spot. We went over there as well, and it was meeting people who knew him. It was really funny. But I think that's kind of when when uh, when Deck passed away. I think that was that was something that really came to the fore. How how light he was and what a memorable person he was. It was like not only within football. It was like we obviously got. People from fans from other clubs were all showed their respect or whatever. But even people in the music scene, like uh, punk bands like Paranoid Visions and the Lee Harveys, and even Aslan, were, were were kind of posting their comments on Twitter about him missing. So yeah, so it's uh, it was really sad when he passed away, and he's obviously terribly missed. But he was, as I said, it was uh, someone that was great to, to to have in your life, and so uh, you'll always be very fondly remembered. So. Thanks very much, lads, and keep on hoping. David Cleary. Uh, big Dick, what can I say? I, I knew Dick since Milltown uh, early 80s. And despite the ups and downs of the club, I can honestly say that I never heard anyone have a bad word to say about him. That was the mark of him. That includes other supporters, which is just incredible when you're a Rover supporter. He was a true gentleman. Um. When asked to do this, it was strange because uh, there's so many things that can be said about Deck. But I'm going to start it with um, when I was in Kazan with him, he he and myself walked all over, all over Kazan looking for the little babushka dolls uh, for my daughter at the time. Um, we eventually found them, and the Deck nicknamed them Molly Dollies. The reason I bring that up is because when you tell a story about Deck, it kind of reminds me of that doll. Because when you open one thing, you just get another one and another one and another one. I don't really want to talk about a incident or whatever. I'm just going to mention a few things that kind of might jog someone's memory or whatever about how what he was like. So I'm just going to put a few things out there. Um, first one is the white horse. And Dick and James Eustace reenacting um, Hulk Hogan and 
Andre the Giants fight on so many occasions. What what is <laughs> just unbelievable. Um the Oil of Man and myself, other Rovers fans, Preston fans and Oldham fans outside this boozer one night, I can't remember where it was, uh singing He's got no hair but we don't care, Andy Andy Richie. That's another one. Just mad. Um Kazan was another one where Dick actually fell in about three foot of snow and despite the fact that there was about six of us trying to lift him up, we couldn't get him up because we were all laughing so much. It was just one of those things that sticks in your head all the time. Um, I remember in the horse and jockey, he actually got the whole pub singing with Kylie, uh, <laughs> get you out of my head. Uh, from Donegal to Cork, Dublin and as far as Kazan I've had, sat at so many bars with Dick uh, we were always being served by uh, a female and Dick always said the same thing to me she's gear isn't she <laughs> no matter where we were that seemed to be the case he always said the same thing she's gear isn't she another one was the Clada bar where Dick turned Good Friday into Grey Friday, staying up all night, despite the fact that the pubs were actually closed. But thanks to Charlie, that didn't happen for us. Um, one thing I do remember really well was in Luxembourg, he showed me a medal, I think it was a St. Rita medal or something like that, um, that he had taken out of his wallet. He said that... It had been given to him by my father and that despite the fact that he wasn't religious, he kept it with him all the time. The mark of a man was unbelievable. He actually was unbelievable. Um, all the Hoops trips are also memorable. Um, the team wasn't great at times, but the trips were and Big Deck was at the heart of every one of them. Um, still with us today. From my point of view, anyway, he's still with us today because every time I hear the South Stand belt out, homie close or build me up buttercup, um, maybe they don't know that those Rovers anthems actually began their life uh, on Hoop Supporters Club buses. And <laughs> Dick was always leading the way when it came to, to those songs. So, you know, I don't really want to say too much more i just hope that jogs a few people's memories people have good stuff to say about them. i'm sure they'll be saying an awful lot more than i will and i just want to thank carl and everybody else for giving me the chance to actually do this actually so um just one more thing i just slant your deck you're badly missed jump on here thanks for asking me to contribute to this memorial to be deck it's both an honour and a privilege. The thing is, I remember Big Deck when he wasn't Big Deck. Back in the day, he was technically a teenager from Terranua that I got to know round about, as he would put it, 74, 75. He became a familiar sight for me and, and my friends as the crowds at Milltown were seriously dwindling in the 1970s. And he was there wearing several scarves. In fact, he wore so many that one of my mates, Kevin Higgins, who, who ended up emigrating to Wales in the late 1970s, referred to as Johnny Forty Scarves. 
in a nod to uh, an old Dublin character known as Johnny Forty Coats. We soon got to know him as Declan Hill, as back then the numbers travelling home and away were quite small. Uh, the mid-70s was a grim time for Rovers. To be honest, I never really got to know him. He'd be someone I'd always say hello to, but never hung around with him. Even on the hoops bus, he would sit up at the front uh, while I was at the back being entertained by the likes of Bart Moore and Robbie Foy. Although I've got to know and befriended many people at Rovers over the years, Deck was that little bit different. The Rovers fan base is full of characters, but it's very much a closed shop. If you weren't Rovers, chances were you didn't get to know the people I knew and loved. But Deck was almost like an ambassador for the club. You could even call him the acceptable face of Shamrock Rovers. He was a Rovers fan that everyone in the league world knew, from Ballybuffet to Cove. He was instantly recognised and accepted, while, of course, the rest of us were treated like day-tripping terrorists. Uh, we revel in the knowledge that our fan base is, is, well, let's face it, largely despised, and regarded as being either an arrogant bunch or Sheriff Hildigans. But everyone loved Big Deck. That's what truly made him unique. A familiar sound on the hoops buses during the early 90s. The opening of cans. The wheels of the bus had to be in full motion before Declan would let us open our cans. I knew Deck to see during the end of the Rovers' time at Milltown. But I first got to know Deck well during the Rovers' times of having no ground to call their own. Some called this era the wilderness years. Deck just called it the Civil War. Obviously obviously everybody knows of Deck's love of Rovers. In his company, having many a post-match point, I discovered his love of music too. Deck's image and unique look would point at the obvious love of rock, glam and metal which would be correct to say, but he also loved Kylie, Steps, Mel C and other mostly female fronted bands. Often in Baker Street while walking from Agri House to the Sound Cellar or quite more frequently to Toner's Pub, he'd have the pleasure to greet Leslie Dowdle, who quickly became under his spell. Rod Stewart, a hero of deck, while kicking signed footballs to a packed crowd in the point many years ago, paused and personally came down and handed Deck a ball to call his own. Some people would be quite surprised for me to say that Deck was a gentle and often shy person. One memory comes to mind. Myself and my wife, Adams and Deck, would for many years go to see a band called the Elite and Slatteries every Friday night for years. Every week, we would say the same thing. We're not coming back next week. But the following Friday, there we were, the three of us, stood at the bar, never sat, drank beer and made noise. The band got to know us. The lead singer used to call Deck Big Jake. Deck never corrected him. He thought it was funny. It was like a standing joke. That was his sense of humour. Two years on from Deck's passing, the great memories, the funny incidents remain. Many places around this great city glow with great memories of the great man who was unique in every sense of the word.
Rock on, Big Jack. Tribute by Eric Cullen, or christened the Viking. I knew Deck from Rovers and the Hoop Bus, but I really got to know him when I started to go to Dignam and Gough gigs with my boyfriend at the time, now husband, Eric the Viking. Some weekends we would see Rovers once and Christie maybe three nights in a row. We nearly always ended up in Bewley's late night cafe and Deck would produce a tip flask while we waited for the late night Nightlink bus. The three of us went on to follow Aslan all around the country when they reformed. I soon got my handle name from Deck, the leader, and he never really called me Sandra after that. In all the years I knew Deck, I can certainly say he was a charmer. He loved females. Up and down the country, whether it was Rover's away trip or a gig, he always sussed out the bar staff and what barmaid would be looking after him. He would approach her politely and compliment her, and that would be it. She would be his for the night, ensuring his glass was always full. Two of his favourite bartenders were Vivian and Carol from the Horse Show House when Rovers played in the RDS. Whenever I'd bump into them over the years, either in Ballsbridge or around town, they would always ask after Big Declan. Deck loved women's sports also. And he had a few favourite stars over the years that he would rave about, including Sonia O'Sullivan, Monica Sellers, and more recently Cora Staunton. We all know Deck's music genre was so broad. I actually went to the Point Depot to see Boyzone with him. And what we both remembered and took away from that gig was that the queue at the bar was non-existent and all the teeny boppers were at the popcorn stand. Deck was a gentle soul and he was very principled and very fair. He always listened to people's opinions and respected them. We all miss Deck so much and the life that we shared with him. He was unique. There's never a day that I don't think of him or I'm reminded of him. It could be a song on the radio or just when I lose a dangly earring and I say to myself, I'll put that into Big Deck's next earring bag. Anyway, keep on hooking and rock, rock on Big Deck. How's it going? Billy McGuinness from Aslan here. Uh, just a little story about Big Deck. I mean, when we started off and we were playing venues like the uh, Revenue Commissioners Club or the Bag It In, moving on up to the Olympia, we started seeing this guy, big guy at the back, at the back of the gig, and he'd be swaying side to side. Myself, Christy, and we'd always say, well, who's he? He's at the gig again. So we eventually got talking to him. And uh, his name was Deck, obviously. We called him, we christened him Big Deck, but I think everyone called him Big Deck. Brandy and we, we'd say, we'd go out on stage, we'd say, oh, there's Big Deck, look, he's here again. Then we got talking to him another time, and Joe found out he was a Shamrock Rover supporter, so, of course, Joe loved him from then on in. But uh, he was just a great guy. He was very, very supportive to Aslan. Like, there was hardly a gig in Dublin that he wasn't at. In fact, he was probably at every Dublin gig we played. And when he passed, I remember we came out and done a gig and we were looking for him. We didn't know he had passed. And uh, of course, we didn't see him. Of course, we just think he's just, oh, he's gone off Aslan. He must have had enough of us. And uh, then we found out he passed away. But uh, he was a great supporter of us, I have to say. And uh, we could do it a lot more. We could do it a lot more people like Big Deck. Uh, sorely missed. Big Deck RIP. Um, 
just just a great guy, great all-round guy. Loved music and loved Aslan. What more can I say? So we miss you, Big Deck. And uh, from Christy, Billy, Joe and Alan. Hopefully you're up there still listening to Aslan. God bless me. Cheers. Bye. Jamie Clacken, Uber, here. Thanks again, Carl, for inviting me. Though, as I said, Big Deck in five minutes. Good luck with that. Deck was known to so many of us to uh, Rovers, but even in that context, there were so many sides and angles to him, not just the big hairy Huber. But I'll leave it to the likes of Jimmy and Martin and others to regale you with tales of Deck and Rovers, because while Rovers were such a huge part of Deck's life, massive part, actually, let's be honest, he's a huge part of Rovers too. There was so much more to him too. Like, you know, his like for the Dale, his graph for Rochdale FC, his, his interest in other sports, rugby league, boxing, Formula One, cricket, and then of course, music. Deck loved his music, especially live music, the gigs. Our venues all over the city and beyond, Deck was recognised and known fondly, and I mean by everyone, bar staff, security, the acts themselves, getting the call out from Christy Dignam or Leslie Dowdle or whoever. Our meeting up after was shown a knife. The all-female Japanese punk pop group. Only Deck. Actually, they're responsible to, for the um, those squalled tattoos on his arms. He'd never seem to miss a, a Rod Stewart gig in Ireland either, be it in Dublin, Belfast, Cork. And then there was Kylie, fair in favour. And then, um, you know, we don't mention Seps, but mention instead Elvis and Jenny Cash and of course Mr. Hold Me Close, David Essex. A wide spectrum of tastes the big man most certainly had and knowledge of it all to boot. I was gasped with him that was the uh, how totally on PC he'd be with female bar staff and not only get away with it but be loved for it. Anyone else would be barred, but not that. And this by the way is all over the place, not just Dublin or even Ireland, but England and over Europe, be it for gigs or games. It was like um, 2011, that Europa League campaign. He had bar staff from Kazan and Thessalonica and London and in other years, Stockholm and Luxembourg. I'll be started with him. Oh, and as an aside, he loved those little cakes you get at breakfast on the continent. Loved them all together. The thing about Deck too is that while he had his favourite players, he was so many of their favourite. Thinking especially the likes of like seeing No Larkin, who on a trip home from Mars would be on looking for Deck. I remember being at uh, a Dale, the uh, Leeds FA Cup game, and next to Now Hunt, he was with Leeds at the time. And as Hunt got off the team bus, he sees Deck, so over he comes all smiles and chat and photo and, and the like, you know. Um, actually, speaking of ex-hoops, that could be chuffed, I'm sure, with the, the recent news of Kerry coming into the league and uh, with another hero of his, Billy Dennehy, involved. That'll be a definite overnighter on a par with Billy Buffet and Sligo, I'm sure. Sure, Deck had to get out his old misspelled Dennehy short. The one with three N's in Dennehy. I 
kid, you know. Always merchandise is definitely better these days. As you mentioned, Dennehy, that season in the fourth division really was a league of Ireland. Well, it has to be one of Dex's favourite years, I'm sure. There's a real league of Ireland, Cove, Kildare, Monaghan, Kilkenny. The man was in his element. It does all come back to Rovers, though. From Milltown through Daly Mount, Tolka, the Santry Servo, the RDS, Inchicore, and finally Tala. Yep, like so many others, Deck was there, but like no one else, there was Deck. Getting name checked by Finner because he took the league trophy in 2020 was pure class by our captain. No individual is bigger than the club, no one. But Deck's passing left a big void. So, you know, long may he be, and rightly should be, remembered. K-O-H, Big Deck. Keep on able. Hi, Jim Conroy here. I'm very honoured to be asked to pay tribute to my old friend, Declan Kyo, better known as Big Deck. It's very hard to pay a fitting tribute to such a larger-than-life character. He was highly intelligent, kind, humorous and generous, and incredibly loyal to Rovers and his many friends. Some of my favourite memories are as follows. The blessing of the fixtures. Before the summer football came in, when during the days of the winter football, he used to, he used to ring me every, every summer when the fixtures came out. And he'd have two sets of fixtures, one for me and one for him. And we'd go off and we'd watch cricket somewhere and and have a really great day on the bulls. And we'd go through all the fixtures for the coming season. It was a great excuse for meeting up during the off-season. And it was always a, a good laugh and hugely enjoyable. And of course, when the start, season started then, we'd be on the bus. And of course, the cans would start... Um, People start opening their cans and their cider or whatever they're drinking. And you'd hear the whishy sound of the cans. And he'd always turn to me and say, Jim, isn't it great to hear the sound of the football season all over again? He always associated that with the opening of the cans of, of, of cider. Most, a lot of my favourite memories of Deck are actually the, the Hoops bus trips. His friendship with, with Danny Cleary on the buses was especially, um, it, it was wonderful the way he got on well with, with the late Danny Cleary. He always respected the older fans. Like, he, he was especially close. He's very close to Kitty Mellon, Henry Blake, Ned Armstrong, and, of course, the great Joe Barnes, uh, who, who was paid tribute to recently by, by all the Rovers. But one of the highlights on the bus was him and Peter Walker. Used, used to do an Al Jolson double act. It was quite brilliant. The, the, the two of them just just yelled. It, it's it's a shame that we haven't got that we haven't we haven't got a recording or a, or we haven't got it on film or anything like that because because Deck wouldn't have done it if anyone was filming it. But it, it's a shame that that that's that it's it's lost. It's kind of lost now, and only the people who are there seeing it. It used to be great fun. In fact, I remember I remember one day the bus driver was laughing so much that he nearly crashed the bloody bus. But 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 we 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 got to our destination safely thank god but he you know like with dick he, he'd always surprise me he, he, he had such a depth of knowledge 
it, it, you could be drinking with him some days. He'd have a few a, a few drinks, and then he starts singing the go, the good ship lollipop or something like that. And then he'd do loads of she, all the Shirley Temple songs, which was quite funny. And, and then he, then he'd end up another day. He might do Doris Day. He was he was a huge Doris Day fan. He knew all the words of all the songs, and he and he do dainty little movements and all, which was which is hilarious to just to, to see a big man like Dick to, uh, doing doing such a thing. I, I never ever forgot that. As I say, he never ever ceased to amaze me. Of course, like, is amaze me. I should say, but it is amazing, incredible <laughs> depth of knowledge. The strangest year was probably two thousand six. Year in the first division. I think it was. It was mine anyway, and I think I think he shared my view. And we were at all the games that year, which culminated in 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 his, which I know was his favourite away trip of all time, the legendary weekend in Cove when we won the first division, and I think about twenty five Hoopers stayed stayed in our room. That 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 was uh, that was some occasion, and the celebrations went on for, for 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 at least a week after that. The Isle of Man trip in '97 was also one of his favourites. We we had a great time in the Isle of Man. I, I could talk for an hour about uh, about the Isle of Man trip in '97. But the one thing that struck uh, struck me more from that was we were, we were in one of the pubs one evening and there was Irish, English and Welsh fans and there was a little bit of tension in the air and Dex sensed this because everyone was in their own little groups and the, the atmosphere wasn't great. But what happened next was amazing. It just shows how Dex could think so quick. He was a huge fan of Dad's Army, uh, and Dad's Army came on the television and as soon as the, as the team uh, tune started up, you know, you know, who do you think you are, Mr. Hitler? Dex started singing at the top of his voice, and soon the Irish, the English, and the Welsh, everyone joined in, and the whole pub was singing, was, was singing the Dad's Army tune. And of course, there was a great laughter after that, and everyone got on brilliant. It was it amazed me how Dex knew what to do, and and he he, he and he, and he he done exactly the right thing, and he made everyone happy. That's just the way Dex was. Every Rovers and League of Ireland fan should raise their glass, whatever they're drinking, in honour of Big Deck this, this week. He loved Rovers and he loved the League of Ireland. Keep on hooping, my old friend. Martin Moore. There's Deck now, as you walk into the Horshaw house after a late Rovers victory in the RDS. And he's at the bar. The young barmaid is walking away, simultaneously blushing shaking her head and laughing and you just know that Deck has said something outrageous something that would get any of the rest of us into trouble for saying but not him because it's Deck. and in front of him he's got a pint of beer and a large bottle of cider and a baileys and a small glass of something purple and if you didn't know him you'd think he was in the round but he's not in the round and there's Deck now stopping off after an away game on the hoops bus his home away from home in his usual spot right at the front on the left window seat and we're stopped in Emmy Vale or Carrick Macross or Abbey Leaks or one of a hundred Sunday Friday Saturday towns the word goes up we have an hour so if you want to get a bite to eat or maybe even a drink and the letter H of the word hour deck is out of a seat out the door and up the street moving so quickly for a big man that even Usain Bolt would look on in admiration. 
And there's Deck now again in the White Horse on George's Quay, our base camp for many hooped adventures in the 80s and 90s. And he's reciting those little poems of his, those little rhymes which he used to make up about his friends and fellow hoops, saying that George Borm will wait his turn, that Robbie Fine, he is the boy, and that Frank Ford really loves the Lord. And occasionally he'll just drop the rhymes and put the boot in directly, such as when he tells Fiona Looney that she can't write, and insinuating that somehow, someway, I had something to do with the premature death of Bob Marley. And there's Deck now, behind the goal that Rovers are shooting into, and he's giving the poor opposition goalkeeper lacquery. He's checked up everything about him and he knows everything he's done. And he's letting them know very, very loudly about how he went to England and got a great old club relegated. And he should be ashamed of himself and how he came back to Ireland with his tail between his legs. And some of them can't take it. But some of them laugh and Deck laughs back, reveling in the pantomime of it all. So didn't Biscuits Harrington, the Cork City goalkeeper, go for a drink with Deck any time he's in Dublin? There's Deck now on the horse and jockey. And he's chatting away to a middle-aged man in the Bowes jersey and laughing and joking with a young woman in a, in a pat scarf and politely having a conversation with a young guy in a Cork City shirt. Deck was too big for us just to own him. We had to share him with the rest of the League of Ireland. There he is, up the front at a Dan International gig, shouting his head off looking completely out of place in his roadie chic, but he doesn't care. There he is in the Point Theatre, looking adoringly up at Kylie and hoping that she'll tell him that she can't get him out of her head. And there he is at the front of the RDS, and Rod is on stage singing Maggie May and doing that thing where he kicks footballs into the crowd. And he sees Deck and laughs and runs over and hands him a ball. And Deck is in his element. And there he is again on the bus, back from another away game. And he's talking about his heroes, like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, and especially Stone Cold Steve Austin. But Deck, you hear yourself saying, that's not a sport. Sure, all the wrestling is fixed. And he just shakes his head and laughs at your ignorance. Deck's there. Rever Rovers fans are gathered, laughing and shouting and singing and swearing and joking. He's there. If you strain your ears really, really hard, you can just about hear his familiar dirty chuckle emanating from that barrel chest of his. And if you're really lucky, at the corner of your eye, you m might just catch a glimpse of him in all his ragged glory. Deck's there. Deck's always there. Yeah, Prof, dare I say it. I think I enjoyed the Bowles fan the most. <laughs> Up your gicker, what a saying. The Best saying ever. The Bowles fan, that was actually the longest contribution, seven minutes, but it, it flies by because he, he was, <sighs> he was excellent. He was, he was brilliant. But uh, somebody summed him up, wrestling, Rochdale and Rovers. <laughs> maybe, maybe throw in Kylie as well. Unbelievable. But um, yeah, so I, some highlights there for me. Getting stuck in the snow in Kazan. I'd say that was a side to Trying behold. Trying to pull that man out of snow. Uh, Jimmy Conroy is the blessing of the fixtures. Yeah. And Jimmy's brother, John, actually, his anniversary also falls around the same time as Deck. So it's 11 years now for John as well. And like you say, like the range of people, not just a range of people who knew him, range of people who were close to him. Yeah. All regarded him as like a very, very, very good friend. Like this felt a lot of time in his hands. You know what I mean? He was a popular dude. 
And you know what I love probably most of all? He had nicknames and rhymes for different people. <laughs> he had songs for different people. Uh, even Mickey D knew Big Dick. Mickey D. Mickey D knew Big Dick. Or Johnny Forty Scarbs. Johnny Forty Scarbs. As uh, John Byrne said. And Jerry Glacken there at the end. You know what was cool about that was? Jerry was actually at a session in Toners for Big in Big Dick's memory that weekend. So he stepped outside into a lane to record that tribute. Oh, wow. How cool is that? While he was at the session for yeah. Big Dick. And it sounded like he could have gone on for another half an hour, couldn't he? He was just... Yeah, so he stepped outside, then went back in to resume gargling. Perfect setting for it. And he said his sisters, uh, Yvonne and Val, they were asking when the podcast is, so hopefully they, they've listened to this and hopefully we've done the man justice it's probably an impossible task but uh, we've given it a go yeah so that's it recipes big deck and he'll always be in the memory of a lot of fans a lot of fans yeah. of all sorts of culture so yeah. raise a glass to big deck tonight. there we go so uh, yeah, to kick off time for Galway friendly prof Tala changed to 2pm so friendly little run around um, keeper legs dusting off the cobwebs so That'll be... Uh, that annoys some people, by the way. That yeah, change. Yeah, well, it could, it could do, you know, because 3 o'clock might have been decent for people getting out of work at half two on a Friday and they're not bumped straight into the game. They're going to miss it. So, understandably. I'm sure there was a reason. Um, we'll be back next week with the reaction to the European draw. We'll know our opponents and we'll have a Father's Day edition of the Tifties Hotline. So, uh, it's been a great off week, Prof. We've had loads of content. So, that is it for this week. So, uh, keep on hooping and up your kicker. See you.